discretion is advised. Cause the place is here and the time is now. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? I hate categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the category screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Free Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio. Free speech. Free expression. Yeah. Free snowball! Only on KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Welcome everybody to another episode of Free Thought Radio. Freethoughtmedia.org, live every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution. Out of San Diego, also on Cox Cable Channel 957. And streaming at freethoughtmedia.org slash live with a webcam and everything like that. And also podcasting throughout the week at lrn.fm, the Liberty Radio Network, which is a Liberty-themed uh, radio station right out of Keene, New Hampshire, where they're, uh, they got the free state over there and they're dealing with bearcats and everything like that. <laughs> We'll talk about that later in the show, but I think what we're dealing with as in regards to wars and everything along those lines, it has to do with whether generally the wars get sold to the public by the news media, and it's whether who's asleep or who's awake that buys into it or not. I think that has to do with a lot of different issues. Certainly, um, if you're kind of let it let asleep and you let it wash over you, well, you might not want to try to keep those accountable because you're not knowing what they're doing. And that poses a problem because in the instance of fluoride, which is kind of the subject for main subject for tonight's show, because there's no knowledge. Uh, because people are believing the corporate-steered propaganda and the corporate-steered science, you actually using the government to stifle the scientific process and push their pro-fluoride pseudoscience. Toxins get put into our environment underneath our noses because not enough people are helping out in the effort uh, to keep things accountable. Really make it make a hard time for those that are doing it. And it's unfortunate, but I think it's more and more, I mean, definitely you have more awareness on the issue. It's just uh, getting people to do something about it. 
Um, it takes some creativity. Not everybody knows what to do. I mean, definitely, yeah. I mean, it helps knowing simple strategies to do as an individual so you can take your own initiative to do things. But more often than not, at least among a lot of people, it's just kind of become complacency, unfortunately. And my next guest, who's going who's gonna to discuss fluoride, discusses some very harsh facts about fluoridation. And it's important to know these things because these types of things can't continue for one second longer. The more you realize it, I mean, it started back, and he's going to talk about it, how John D. Rockefeller and the military took over the medical industry. The AMA and the American Dental Association to push allopathic medicine. And yeah, he talks about it. You know, if you get into a car accident and your brain's gushing out your head, that might be the only place for allopathic medicine is the surgery to make sure that your brain stays inside your head. But everything other than that, you know, like health, um, overall health treatment, Go down the list, things that you do daily throughout your entire life, as far as even what the advice they give you for lifestyle or diet. Um, they don't, they, it's mostly you have to take this poison, chemical A, chemical B. Um, nothing about uh, you have to take fluoride and mercury is okay, and formaldehyde and vaccines is okay. Uh, but cannabis, oh, no, that's so horrible. Uh, no, never mind the research of it as a medicine. We'll talk about that later. But fluoride is one of those things that has to stop. It has to. And my next guest is an expert on fluoride. He's a dentist, uh, certified DDS. His name is Dr. David Kennedy. He also directed a movie called Fluoride Gate, and it's going to be playing next week in Oceanside, California, right here in San Diego County, North County, um, right here in Oceanside, California, as part of the Oceanside International Film Festival. August 23rd is when it's playing. It's playing in a, an environmental screening block alongside with the movie Why in the World Are They Spraying, the one about geoengineering and, and chemtrails. And I think it's great that public awareness is, is happening at, at film festivals like these. It's awesome. Um, so check it out. It's www.ocaf.info. If you would like to get tickets, if you're in the area, um, you can speak to the director there, and it should be really, really interesting. And a movie is a great way to do it. And I think a lot of people from the public, people who didn't go there to see that movie, are going to see that movie, and then they're going to uh, hopefully go away with it. Um, and you know, they don't even have. To, uh, I, when I speak about doing action, it could be as much as telling somebody who also doesn't know about it, because then. That considered, that counts as an action too. Not, it's not just calling up somebody in power. It could be awakening more people. So I'm hoping that the movie can do that. Uh, maybe two people, tell three people, tell four people, tell more people. Joining me now is Dr. David Kennedy. He is the director and producer of the movie Fluoride Gate. David, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So give us a little bit of background on yourself and uh, how you discovered the myths behind fluoridation. Well, um, it's, it's a long, convoluted story. I, I have a degree in biochemistry from the University of Kansas, and I went to dental school, and I thought mercury was okay. And then, you know, 
more and more stuff came out about dental personnel injury and, and mercury from fellings linked to a whole host of uh, problems. So I joined an organization called the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, which takes a hard look at how poisons affect our patients. And the mercury was one of the first things we looked at. Fluoride was the second because it's a poison. That's why they tell you to brush your teeth with it. So um, I'm kind of a biological kind of guy. I would not put anything in a child's mouth that will kill them. But there's a lethal dose of uh, fluoride in a family-sized tube of toothpaste to a uh, small child. So that doesn't make any sense at all to me. Why do you think that uh, allopathic medicine, which is, of course, you know, using poisons to cure people, why, why is that so prevalent in both the medical community and the dental community? It's the military. That uh, During the, the uh, U.S. Uh, Civil War, only allopaths were allowed to serve. And that, so as a result the, of the military uh, service, uh, the, that became the type of medical care that we provide to everyone. Instead of the natural paths, the homeopaths, the, the natural cures, we have the military cure, which is, you know, if you're shot, cut it off, uh, you know, poison. They, were, they actually issued tablets of mercury to the uh, Union Army that made the Union soldiers say there were more uh, soldiers killed by Yankee mercury than Confederate lead. But uh, that gave that branch of medicine uh, an opportunity to excel, and, and it does. I mean, you know, if you crash your car and, and you want to go to a trauma center, and they will uh, more likely be able to save your life. That's what they're good at. And, uh, you know, they're just not good at chronic illness. They're, they're not good at uh, uh, the things that happen in old age. They're, they're good at keeping 20-year-old kids alive with missing a limb or here, here and there, but uh, that's military medicine. The, as the baby boomers age, uh, we don't need military medicine. We need we need care. We need uh, rejuvenative medicine, medicine that gets rid of the the lead that we have in our bodies from walking walking behind lawnmowers for years and years with the lead spewing out of the exhaust pipes of all the automobiles. Uh, you know, our mercury in our fillings that has spread, you know, to our from our fillings to our toes and our brain. You know, it's it's a it's a different ball game. It's not trauma. It's not war. It's a chronic uh, degeneration of the uh, the body, and that that's not corrected with an antibiotic or radiation or a, a CAT scan. That's that's corrected with nutrition and uh, vitamins and uh, antioxidant uh, kind of things that uh, help your body recover. It's a different kind of medicine. Certainly, and. Allopathic medicine sort of took, took over the AMA when uh, Federal Reserve architect John D. Rockefeller got into the top level. So people on the bottom, they go and they get their education either through the colleges or through uh, me medical conferences where they get pitched all these different medicines. How do, what's, what happened to the, AD, the dental association to get it taken over by the pro-fluoride people and then have that information doled out to people at the bottom? From a you know, I think... Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, the, the dental uh, society in general, uh, the, and there are two of them, the National Dental Association, American Dental Association, both support the use of mercury fillings, and that has to do with their roots. They basically were founded by the people that were not allowed to get into the 
American Society of Dental Surgeons who forbade their members from using mercury. So, so they've always said mercury was fine and safe and wonderful and all that. And because of that, they're blind to toxicology. I, I did not have a course in toxicology in my entire four years of training in dental school. The only toxicologist that has ever taught at a dental school in the United States was Phyllis Mullinex, who taught at Harvard. And when she began to investigate the effect of fluoride on the brains of rats, uh, they fired her. And, and she won her, her lawsuit. Uh, they had actually recruited her uh, for the, uh, uh, the school saying, we want you to come study mercury and fluoride. She never got to study the mercury, but the minute she started studying fluoride, 14 years after she was hired, uh, they fired her. They said, oh, we'd lose our grant from the government. So this is what wow. is really happening, is that the United States government promotes fluoridation through uh, money to uh, schools to uh, a study the benefits of it, and if you ever publish anything that shows it's not beneficial, then you lose all funding, and so does the school. So there are no contrary voices in this argument, and that's because all the money for the research is coming from the people that have it to get rid of. The product that's going in the water supply is a byproduct of making nuclear weapons. It's called hydrofluosilicic acid. It comes from the phosphate fertilizer mines, and the phosphate fertilizer mines are also a byproduct of making nuclear weapons. As they run a bulldozer in a mountain, pick up a bunch of limestone, crunch it up, put phosphoric acid on it, and then what comes out is a plaster Paris gypsum um, phosphate and then hydrofluosilicic acid, and they extracted the uranium and made, uh, with uh, fluoride and made uranium hexafluoride. They're tanks of uranium hexafluoride lying around Paducah, Kentucky, and, they, and they're so heavy that they can't figure out what to do with them and they're rusting, so wow. anyway. That, that's the secret uh, ingredient in making nuclear weapons was fluoride. But as a result of that, they made fluoride a mineral of national importance. It's not. It's the 13th most abundant mineral on the planet, and it's everywhere. And so why would we make it a mineral of national importance? Because they wanted to make it protected by the national security card. The fact that it's currently causing enormous amount of harm to our society is not important to the military. The military is concerned about whether or not they have enough nuclear bombs to blow up the enemy. The, whether or not the civilians survive at all is not their concern. They're, they're concerned about war. And so it's a, it, we have a conflict of interest in that, in that situation. Wow, that, that's a very interesting parallel, and especially since on this show it's very uh, anti-war show, exposing the military-industrial complex. How, how did the fluoridation get into place with in regards to laws, and why is the United States one of the only countries that fluoridates water in such a prevalent basis? Well, if you're lying and you don't speak German, then the, uh, the Germans don't believe you. If you're lying and you don't speak French, then the French don't believe you. So. Our emissaries went around the world uh, telling uh, the benefits of fluoride in the drinking water. And uh, if you look at the countries that have significant fluoridation, they all speak English. It's uh, Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, Southern Ireland, uh, Canada, and the United States. So, you know, why do you suppose only English-speaking countries uh, do? Because the big dogs came out and said it was a good idea. And, and if you don't speak their language, then they don't believe you. So it's, it's real simple. Uh, it was a lie from the get-go, and that all the countries that did studies on it, uh, like Germany and Sweden and uh, 
Finland and so forth, um, didn't find any benefit. There is no benefit. You know, if I suddenly said, oh, brush your teeth with arsenic, and I bet you, yeah, you could show that brushing your teeth with arsenic would reduce tooth decay a little bit because arsenic is a poison. Uh, it, what's interesting is that if you brush your teeth with iodine, you really can knock out tooth decay because the germs that uh, cause tooth decay can't stand iodine, but they can stand fluoride. They just makes them sick. So it's it's you know, it, it's a fake program, and that you know I tell people if you, if you can't uh, find something to brush your teeth with in your kitchen, then just use saliva, because the, there if you can't put it in the cookies, and I'm not talking about under the kitchen sink either. I'm talking about the stuff that we put in our food. You know whether it's salt or baking soda or whether it's a tea tree oil or neem or you know there's there's a thousand things that people over the centuries have have cleaned their teeth with. And if you have a microscope or a, with the wonderful new DNA testing, uh, you can actually see where the bugs come from. They come from mothers, lovers, and dogs. But uh, the ones that cause gum disease, tooth decay, is usually mother or caregiver. But uh, the, you can totally change the kind of bacteria in your mouth. And why is that important? Tooth decay is an infection. It is an infection that is transferred to the baby in the first two years of life and that it is grown by a diet that is bad. So there's three ways to stop tooth decay. One is you can have a diet that's good. I think that's an excellent idea. Why don't we have that? Mm -hmm. Because people don't behave like I want them to. They behave like they want to, so that's okay. So how else can you stop tooth decay? Is, is it you can clean your teeth meticulously. Is it, I don't mean run a brush around them. I mean you gotta get the gook off them. And, and you know, I have a patient that does it with a toothpick and her fingers, you know, she can get every speck of plaque off her teeth with a toothpick and her two fingers. So if you can do it with a stick, you can do it with all the nice modern electric toothbrushes and stuff like that. And when you're all done cleaning your teeth, you squirt it off with a water pick and wash the stuff down the drain. If you put a splash of iodine or salt water or ozone or, or some of the, the uh, oils in that water pick, it dramatically increases the effectiveness of the water pick in, in removing you know, the uh, bad germs from around your teeth. Because the, the, the ones that cause gum disease are all swimmers. If they get hit with a tsunami, they're going to be swimming in the toilet. Boom, gone. No problem. And so iodine kills germs. Uh, salt kills germs. There's, so fluoride doesn't kill germs. Fluoride makes them sick because it inhibits their ability to breathe. Well, that's not how fluoride kills you. If you get a, an acute dose of fluoride, it stops your heart. Wow. So it, it sucks all the calcium out so your heart doesn't beat. Wow. Um, that's the acute phase. But what happens if you're exposed to it every day from your toothpaste, a little bit, day after day, month after month, week after week, year after year, is your joints go bad. First thing happens, you, your muscles get stiff. That You, know, you can't oh, stick your hands clear up over your head, or if you do, the, you know, after a little while, they start hurting. Um, so the muscle, it's called soft tissue fluorosis, and then uh, chronic fluorosis is the skeleton. It gets, uh, gets into your joints, and your knees go bad, and, you're, and you're, you have to have joints replaced because they get uh, locked up. They get uh, uh, bone spurs uh, in women, especially who have a smaller skeleton. Their uh, exposure to fluoride causes the... Uh, um, the lower lumbar spine to accumulate a lot of fluoride. And they're not sure why fluoride does that, but it uh, seems to accumulate right uh, in the lower lumbar spine, the like smaller your back. And 
what we have something like 60 million Americans with arthritis and, and another uh, 20 million with lower, lower back pain. Well, how much of that's caused by fluoride? I can't say. There are no studies that have measured. There are studies that measured hip fracture, and we can show that hip fracture, which is frequently a lethal injury to the elderly, occurs much more frequently in communities that have either natural fluoride or artificial fluoridation versus ones that have no fluoridation. So um, if, if you just used hip fracture as, as your, the basis of your risk assessment, you would come up with a factor of zero is the amount that you should be exposed to. Zero. It's not, it's not a beneficial element. It is a poison. And you, you can see it in the kids. Uh, children have uh, little white spots on their teeth and that eventually turn brown, and that's why you have all the tooth bleaching. Well, that's because they were exposed to fluoride, and it caused the cells that were making that tooth to make abnormal tooth. Well, you've got to be a dentist to believe you can give a kid a tablet of poison, and the, the only organ that's damaged by that poison is the tooth, because it's not. It, it damages the brain, it damages the joints, it damages the, the intelligence of the child. So um, a lot of the problems we're seeing in our society today with children that can't learn to read and write and uh, uh, learning disorders, uh, uh, behavior problems even, are related to the fact that we're... Um, it's, um, Philippe Grandjean wrote a, a wonderful blog on it uh, on his website. It's called the, the Chemical Brain Drain. And he's not just talking about fluoride, he's talking about mercury, he's talking about lead, he's talking about all of this stuff that all the children in, in, in our society are exposed to willy-nilly, pesticides me included. Uh, they want to fumigate your food with uh, sulfuro fluoride. If you ever walk by a house that was being uh, tented for termites, um, hold your breath and walk a little closer and read the sign that's on it. And it says, this house contains sulfuro fluoride, caution, don't enter, it'll kill you. So well, that's what they want to fumigate all your organic fruits and vegetables that come in from other countries uh, so that you have lots of sulfur fluoride going through your system. So whoop-de-doo. Wow. And for those just joining, I'm speaking with Dr. David Kennedy. Uh, what, what you're talking about in regards to fluoride, you know, as much as I, I knew already, this kind of stuff is just really, you know, angering me at the policies of the towns that I live in here in San Diego where pretty much most water districts are fluoridated. And I live in uh, a district where they just started fluoridating yesterday on July 1st, um, the Levenhine, uh Water District. And I interviewed the general manager and just brought up fluoride, fell on her face, uh, brought up the $208,000 salary, brought, fell on her face. So discuss the semantics of the fluoridation law. Um, due to the fact that they have funding from First Five, how they are not necessarily mandated to do so, and uh, what are the greater implications of, of you know, you know, the Sprout Supermarket in Eastern Encinitas now going to have all the produce sprayed with fluoridated water? And you know, it's it's and why wasn't it fluoridated before? And that's because the citizens of San Diego have gone to the polls and all over California, over a hundred times, the citizens of California have voted against adding fluoride to our water supply, and yet the, the great rocket scientist in Sacramento back in 1995 passed a uh, law, what's called AB 733, it's now part of the Health and Safety Code, that uh, mandated that we add fluoride to our water supply if we had 10,000 connections, and that 100% of the money came from an independent third party, not tax-related. First five is tax-related. 
It, uh, if you buy a package of cigarettes, 50 cents goes off to the first five. That is a tax. So what they've done is that uh, they say no good deed shall go unpunished. So the citizens of California said, oh, a lot of smokers out there, so let's stick them for an extra 50 cents and we'll take that money and spend it on children's health. Well, what they've done, the, the Floridian people have managed to usurp that money that's supposed to go for children's health and now it demonstrably harms children. Even the American Dental Association admits that a child on a bottle, if it's fluoridated tap water, like you now have in Encinitas, is grossly overdosed with fluoride. Wow. It's multiple times more than is known to harm that baby. And so, you know, if I were out beating on a baby in a carriage with a, with a stick, everybody in the neighborhood would come over and drag me away and beat on me with the stick. But we have our Liebenheim Water District, the San Diego Municipal Water District, the Metropolitan Water District, beating on children with silico fluoride in the water. What this does to the kid is causes abnormal bone, abnormal brain, abnormal teeth, and it sucks lead into the bodies of the children like a sponge. And the, this is uh, definitely linked to uh, learning disorders, abnormal behavior. And the, the lead link has been established by over 450,000 children in two different major studies. Information is all collected randomly through the Well Baby program of the NI, uh, NI, National Institute of Health. So there is no question that silico fluoride causes the doubling of the blood level of lead in children. Probably adults too, but we don't have that data. However, if you have a minority child who has a, a Hispanic background, there was a fourfold increase in their blood level of that if there was any other cofactor for exposure. is They can't suck lead in if there's no lead around. But if there's another factor for exposure, such as older housing or something like that, it caused a fourfold increase over their paired social equal who was in an old house that didn't have silico fluoride in the water supply. That is a crime. If they were black, it was a six-fold increase. That is a crime. That is a racial crime. And it needs to stop. And it needs to stop back in 2000 when this was first shown. Um, the EPA asked the, uh, uh, the National Academies of Science in uh, 2003 if the, uh, if the federal uh, goal for fluoride in the water, which was, is four parts per million, was reasonable. And the, the uh, 12 expert committee loaded with spokespeople for the tobacco industry and advocates for fluoridation voted 12 to none saying, no, it's not safe. So they, we have a fraudulent public health goal in California. David Morey developed that. Uh, it's, it, it, the law of, regarding how you develop a public health goal was passed by the voters of California. It says you have to consider vulnerable subsets. Well, it's not safe for a baby. Everybody says that. How can we have a goal that will poison a baby? I'm sorry. You didn't do the job you're being paid to do. I can balance the budget. I can get rid of all these yerks that don't do their job. Why don't we do that? The, the goal is supposed to be one where you can consume tap water for a lifetime with no adverse effects. Well, I already mentioned hip fracture, but it's also a whole host of cancers. This is, this is a, a part of the Fluoride Gate uh, movie, is that uh, we talked about the, uh, the Congress ordered the National Toxicological Program to study fluoride for carcinogenicity or its ability to produce cancer, back in 1977. They didn't get it done. 
till 89 and that they had to hire an outside contractor, a very well-known laboratory, Battelle. And they concluded that fluoride was a powerful carcinogen because the high-dose animals were awash with disease. They had cancer of their lip, tongue, throat, liver, and bone. Wow. And so that was given to the U.S. Public Health Service, the advocates for fluoridation, not a scientific body, and they changed every single cancer. Every single cancer. Boy, if I ever get cancer, I want to go to those doctors because they just took their pencil and made it go away. And they changed every cancer two levels, and the biggest bone cancer they just threw out. And they said, oh, it's so big, it probably probably not a bone cancer. Well, you know, when you're a pathologist and you look at a slide of a cancer, it's like, it's like you know, you look at a cancer and it looks like the letter A, it's got to be the letter A. If it looks like the letter T, it's the letter T. And the, the, you know, it's not magic. These, these are well-understood histological changes in cells. And that uh, Bill Marcus looked at the slides and he said, well, I don't think these changes are appropriate. And then he asked for the EPA to host a seminar. And we need to do this now. The host, host a program where the Battelle pathologist defended their original diagnosis, the public health defended their changes to the diagnosis, and Mel Ruber, Tom Squires, and Bill Marcus would sit there and um, discuss one cancer. It's a hepatoangiopalentioma. It's a rare form of liver cancer that the high-dose animals got. That cancer alone is enough to jerk uh, fluoride out of everything. But look what it's in. It's in your tea. It's in your crackers. It's in your breakfast cereals. It's in your tomato soup. It's in your ketchup. It's in almost everything that the any processed foods, any instant instant foods, all of these are high in fluoride because they're processed in fluoridated communities. San Diego, real proud of our our boutique industry of uh, brews, and I've been measuring them. All of them got fluoride in it. Wow! So you know when you put it in the water, it spreads into everything that that water comes in contact with, including your skin. It goes right through your skin. So. I've talked to a lot of wealthy people who say, oh, I'll just drink bottled water. Well, A, then you're going to have to live in a society that has a bunch of dumb children that go around shooting each other. And B, it's going to go right through your skin. And C, you can't have the soup, the pasta, the rice, coffee, or anything that's made with the water in a restaurant because you're going to live in a contaminated community because you didn't care enough about your country to try to save it. Wow. And uh, all I got to say is is really, you know, w what the hell is going on because we uh, and how do we stop this? Because, you know, we uh, there was falling on deaf ears here in Oliven High and we did some protests. I interviewed the, the lady. Sent, I gave her the fluoridealert.org 50 reasons not to fluoridate water as if that if, as if, you know, we don't even we need one, which is the no. cancer. Um, no. What are what are. What what are some ways that that we can go about you know changing this given the corrupt nature of the political system and not until like an election because it should have stopped yesterday yesterday the day before yesterday when they started to fluoridate uh, yesterday on July first. You know I have offered uh, the Olivenheim Water District ten thousand dollars to do what I just talked about and to hold a seminar where we uh, carefully examine the pathology slides from the NTP program. We could invite pathologists from Scripps, uh, the Salk Institute. These are all people that, uh, and the UCSD, these are all people that support fluoridation and have them in a blinded fashion, don't tell them what they're looking at, in a blinded fashion, diagnose the slides. And when they get done, tot up the numbers, and if it comes out as a carcinogen, it should be removed from the water supply and it should be removed from the food supply. So far, none of the, I offered this 10 grand also to the, uh, 
San Diego uh, City. And then uh, Scott Peters says he didn't think the city could accept a gift of funds, uh, meaning he didn't want to do it. And then they immediately accepted a gift of funds for the purpose of adding fluoride to the water supplies of San Diego. So um, do you have to sue your government to get them to behave? Um, I think you have to embarrass them. And, the, you know, if, if the people in Egypt can get 10 million people out in the street, then, you know, what's the matter with Lulevenheim? You know, yeah. you know, oh, let me fall asleep here and forget about my, my duty to my country. Exactly. And, that's, and that's really what it boils down to, is that if you don't, protect the water supply, you don't protect the children, I don't think you get to call yourself an American. I think you need to call yourself an interloper, a, a, a parasite, somebody that's decided to suck off the rest of us. Because, you know, the Kennedys have been in this country since 1759, and we've worked steadily to make this a strong country it is today. That we've got a lot of leeches now, mm -hmm. people that claim to be Americans that sit around on their rear and live off the fat of the rest of us because we have pretty generous people. We're ready to have, you know, have lots of people around, but unfortunately it's their duty to work to protect the entire society, not just their own family, their own lips and their own, you know, income. They need to protect us all and they're not. Exactly. And that just brings me to the, to the point is that, you know, uh, they, the Liebenheim District is in charge of the Elfin Forest Reserve where they are going to be implementing the fluoride. And I paralleled uh, our efforts to that of the efforts in Turkey with Gezi Park. That was the last green space untouched by uh, industrialization. And Elfin Forest is kind of like the last reserve untouched by fluoridation. Why do you think that these guys participated in Encinitas Environment Day? How hypocritical is that when they're dumping toxins into our water supply? Hypocrites abound, and that they gravitate toward positions of power. Um, uh, it's, it's the greed disease, as my friend Roy Kepsenel used to call it. The, the power and uh, the lust for it is a, is a disease, and that uh, you will find them centered around city halls, uh, Congress, water districts, dog catchers. The uh, you know that it's it's problem uh, for people uh, that uh, don't have a firm grasp of where this country was and where this country is going and they basically are busy feathering their own nests as, uh, as they say. Mm -hmm. For those just joining I'm speaking with Dr. David Kennedy he, uh, he made a movie called Fluoride Gate so talk about the movie Fluoride Gate how you made it uh, uh, hardships of being an independent filmmaker and when people can see it at the Oceanside Film Festival in August. But, you know, thanks for the plug. And, uh, you know, it is hard to, to make a, uh, uh, an independent film. And, um, and I especially knew that this film would be criticized by the advocates for fluoridation, or I thought it would. And so far, there has not been one peep out of the advocates for fluoridation. The reason I think that is, is because it is really based on solid science. It has... Uh, um, been made over a period of 14 years, actually. Is it uh, some of the people I met uh, in this film? Uh, um, I met years ago, uh, speaking to our the International Academy of World Medicine Toxicology on on some subject. Uh, Roger Masters was on the, on the issue of lead and disproportionate harm to Hispanics. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Bill Marcus was uh, on his uh, battle with the EPA uh, to. Uh, Re-examine the cancer slides, and that was 1991. So, 
over the years, I've just heard from all these people, and I've been trying to keep San Diego's water clean and nationwide as well. And uh, so I finally just said, you know, instead of flying all over the United States to, you know, fight it in one little town versus another, I'm going to try a nationwide effort. And the nation, I have uh, 750,000 views on one of my videos uh, called Smoking Teeth. That was the first to, first to, uh, video I put up on YouTube was Smoking Teeth. And uh, so I said, well, I've reached three-quarters of a million people with a little video. Well, maybe I can reach more with a, a, a film. And in the first two weeks, my film was out. Uh, Joe Mercola uh, sent it around to his viewers, and we put it up on a website uh, for Bill Zimmerman's website, and I was in Europe at the time. That's a good time to release a film, I just think, when you're not in the country. <laughs> and um, but anyway, we got uh, uh, over over a uh, four hundred thousand hits in in the next two weeks. So uh, we were off and running, and and it, it has re received two uh, honorable mentions. I haven't won any film festivals yet. Um, I hope to, but uh, you know, it's up against some pretty tough competition. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. And it's the independent filmmakers like myself that are basically sharing with the world what's happening. Um, we've been accepted to a lot of film festivals, and I'm getting to almost all of them. I'll be in Oceanside. Uh, and uh, Monica Esteban uh, is the uh, producer. She lives in New York, and so she has already been to uh, uh, a couple of film festivals there also talking about how we, we put it together. And and, uh, and there's a really excellent website uh, that Monica worked extensively on. It's called uh, fluoridegate.org. And that uh, if you have any doubt that what we're saying is, is documented to the nth degree, there's a, a, a button on the top called proof. And you can go down and you can see that the name of the lawsuit that Dr. Marcus won with punitive damages. You can see the uh, the Mayday memo that he sent out. You can see the various. Uh, you can see Dr. Master's studies, and so it's it's really well documented. And that we put that extra um, step to put a, a website up that supports the uh, um, the 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 film, so that you know that this isn't just somebody ranting. This is a well documented crime against our citizens, funded by the United States federal government. And that when you say a Liebenheim did this, a Liebenheim did that, the problem is not coming from a Liebenheim. The problem is coming from Washington, D.C. Wow. It has always come from Washington. It is the push to add silicone fluoride to the entire water supply. It was to dispose of the product. We don't need to dispose of Cargill's hazardous waste. And we don't get it from Cargill. We only get a tiny portion from Cargill anymore, the largest privately owned corporation on the planet. But we get it from China, Mexico, and Japan, and Belgium. Do you know what's the characteristic of those countries? None of them allow fluoride in the water supply. So we're buying silica fluoride, which is not fluoride. It's a sand with fluoride stuck to it, six of them. And that is a magnet for lead. It's actually got a patent in the U.S. Patent Office to extract lead from brass. Well, isn't your water faucet brass? Well, it'll extract lead out of that. So you can have a nice bolus dose of lead whenever you shoot some water out of your faucet. So, Wow. That's absolutely insane. And it's just so sad that so many Americans are asleep on this issue and uh, that nobody is taking it... The, I mean, some people even laugh at it. And for those listening, it is August 23rd at the Oceanside Film Festival. 
that the Fluoride Gate movie is is showing. So please attend the Oceanside International Film Festival, August twenty third. It's on Pacific Coast Highway. I'm not sure what movie theater it is, but I believe the website is www.ocaf.info, ocaf.info, and again the website's fluoridegate.org. Is it true that fluoride uh, chemicals were used uh, on prisoners in Nazi and Soviet prison camps? Um, I don't know, uh, and you know, and I and I tell people that you know that 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 is not an issue that I give one iota about because that's in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. and that what somebody did or didn't do in 1950 doesn't make any difference to me. I know what we're doing in 2013. Mm-hmm. In 2013, we're harming children. So whether or not Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin was out beating on the baby with a stick is not my concern. My concern is Olivenheim Water District is out beating on babies with silicone fluoride in the water supply. The city of San Diego is beating on babies with silicone fluoride in the water supply, specifically Hispanic and African-American babies. And people who cannot afford to breastfeed is you can poison the mother nearly to death with fluoride and it doesn't come out in breast milk. That tells you what God wants that baby to be drinking. So when you make a powdered formula with tap water, you've got a chemical cocktail that's going to harm that child. That's the nature of the deal. And so I don't think we should be doing that. Wow. And I, I would suggest locally for anybody listening to call up your water district, whether you're in a Levenhine or not, uh, call up your water district, take a stand, get involved. Uh, and, and again, if you want some good factual information, please check out fluoridegate.org and go see the movie premiering in, in, or showing in Oceanside at the Oceanside International Film Festival, August 23rd. Uh, David, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and any other places they can find you online? Uh, you know, you can talk right to me at the uh, Fluoride Gate. Uh, if you ask a question of the director, I'm the director. So uh, talk to me. Uh, I'd be glad to tell you what my experience has been and give you the guidance. The, the, what everybody needs to do is to put together an organization, work together, and stop it in your community and then stop it nationwide. Because it, the problem is going to continue as long as the um, money buckets keep getting thrown out of Washington, D.C., and they're just throwing millions and millions of dollars into deceiving the public, promoting fluoridation, and buying equipment to put the equipment into the water district so they can dispose of the hazardous waste of China, Mexico, Japan, Belgium, and Florida. Wow. Well, I've been speaking here with Dr. David Kennedy, director of Fluoride Gate which is playing at the Oceanside International Film Festival 2013 on August 23rd, ocaf.info, ocaf.info, and fluoridegate.org. David, thank you again very much for coming on the show and speaking truth to power. Thank you, Alex. And it's just amazing how nobody cares about this issue. And on this show, I actually took on the Olivenhine Water District. I interviewed the general manager, you know, did uh, I wouldn't call those gotcha questions. I would call it real journalism. Uh, fell on their face when this is all about poisoning our water supply and subsidizing big pharma and the pollution industry. <laughs> As if they need subsidies in this hard economy. You know, no bailouts for these guys. Uh, how about 
that they that the district, the water district, participated in Encinitas Environment Day when they were putting byproducts of nuclear armament production in our water supply. What does it do when it goes into the rain cycle and it goes over everything into into plants and and the groundwater? And when it you know falls onto us when it rains, when we take a shower, you know we can get whole house filters for everybody. But at this at the end of the day, not everybody can afford that, and we need to stop thinking about ourselves here. Think about everybody, and how it affects how it affects everybody as a, as a taxpayer. And uh, it's just, it's just so insane that this stuff keeps going on. It comes from Washington D.C., and I really like that he pointed out that it was the military. That helped introduce allopathic medicine as a standard. Yeah, if you break your leg or get into a car accident and your brain's gushing out of your head, that's a use for allopathic medicine and surgery and everything like that. But aside from that, medication, you shouldn't want to take their poisons uh, and their pills. Don't take any oxycodone or anything or painkillers. Use cannabis. This is corporate suppressed science. When it comes to fluoride, you have, you know, when you have something on a commercial, fluoride toothpaste, that's just propaganda convincing you that their science is somehow good. Fluoride's good for you because it's on a commercial. Well, there's a rule of thumb. Don't eat anything that has a TV commercial for it, like Jolly Ranchers or McDonald's. You know, go to a farmer's market. Same thing with GMOs. Monsanto gets in and they say, you can't do open testing or labeling of GMOs. That suppresses science. Same thing with cannabis. The DEA restricts research on cannabis. No wonder you can't find out through research after research after research that cannabis cures cancer. Even though there are plenty of lab studies, it's just so restricted that it's not enough for these political oligarchs to change their lack of hearts, you know, uh, as, if they, as if they really need the scientific evidence uh, to change their mind. They, they'd, rather, they'd rather have a million bucks from the, from the various interests that make them support cannabis prohibition or support GMOs or support fluoridation. Instead of, you know, supporting the people that they're supposed to represent, because they often, more oftentimes than not, do not have hearts. They just got greasy hands from all the palm greasing. So this song I want to play is called Water Crimes by the New Zealand rapper. The Independent and Financial Times lead with details Water Crimes by Trillion here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. Be right back. The evidence has emerged of alleged water crimes. Today on a world of possibilities, bringing tyrants to justice, water crimes on trial. Certainly, the U.S. government is not the only one worried about the effect of the world court of our war crimes crimes against humanity or genocide join us as we examine embryonic efforts to apply the rule of law to those who've committed the most heinous crimes against humanity yet have long defied it with impunity welcome, welcome to, to a world, world of fluoride do you wanna poison me with your chemical concoctions in my water Chemical concoctions in my water. Why you wanna poison me? Why you wanna poison me? Wanna poison me? Water is life, not just drips down the sink drain. It's a basic human right to sip a fountain or drink rain. Instead, they dump chemical waste into the reservoir. Every jar contaminated, fluoride takes my weather part. I can't, there's lead and arsenic on that measure bar. And never far behind the line of fire is that repertoire. It's good for bones and teeth. 
They hum and sing the real facts beneath the surface reveal some other things. Fluoride accumulates and studies have shown it causes major changes to the structure of bone. Sensation of burning, prickling and pains, gastrointestinal disorders, feeling sickly and strange. Tingling in the limbs and chronic fatigue, even that frog in the reeds has his pond under siege. Neurotoxic design and lowered IQ, lost in three lines of a poet's haiku. I know I'm like you, my body's sort of the same, and there's also fluoride added to my water mains. Skeletal fluorosis, osteoarthritis, then misguide and deny, glossing over the entire list, the cost of those who fight this, more stress and dismay. I don't believe we receive blessings this way. Criminals poison water like the China Sea, it's a major hit on the planet, then a minor key. With your chemical concoctions in my water. Water Crimes by Trillion uh, Rapper from New Zealand. And, you know, it's got to take something to try to get people involved here, uh, you know, to get off their butts, go to the telephone and call up your water district, or somebody's got to put up money to pay for the legal bills of a class action lawsuit against these poisoners. It's, it's absolutely insane that fluoride attracts lead, splashes it right through your glass, they're uh, irritating foods that come through the border with fluoride pesticides. So everything you eat is covered with fluoride. They ruined the San Diego microbrewery industry with fluoridated water. So yeah, drink a good brew on the weekend and, and uh, yeah, get that dose of fluoride. Real good for you. <laughs> the microbrewery industry should file a class action lawsuit. I mean... How many acts of real journalism do I have to do on this program before somebody acts on it? <laughs> and we did we did embarrass the Levenheim Water District. They actually delayed fluoridation. I, I would hope because of the three protests we did and the interview that I did with the general manager, but they won't admit to it. They say they, they had to review their licensing. But, uh, you know, we didn't do protests again after that because, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of effort to, you know, organize people and it's hard to do things. I mean, I, I'm... I don't. I'm unemployed and work full time to produce a journalist radio show and and everything like that. <laughs> Try to hedge against the collapse of this country with you know silver and everything. Uh, it, it is hard to fight against the man, uh, at least on one issue, because I multi-issue person. One of those issues is war, and this Thursday, Veterans for Peace is having their one-year anniversary of their drone protests out in front of General Atomics and Code Pink founder Medea Benjamin is going to be there. So uh, check out the San Diego Veterans for Peace chapter. Find out where and when the protest is. It's Thursday and Friday uh, near General Atomics, Scripps Poway Parkway, but their website should have all the details. And Code Pink founder Medea Benjamin is going to be there. And that brings me to Syria because we're escalating the support of these Syrian rebels. We're... Continuing to... Not we. Why am I saying we? Because it's not me. It's the government. They are lying. They are selling us the same lies that got us into Iraq. They... It's hard to even 
you know, describe the lies because they're so false. They're, it's Saudi Arabia that's picking up the tab for funding these rebels. It's literally, I could go on to the semantics, but what's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is complete destabilization of the Middle East so that Israel and Saudi Arabia can have larger territories, larger control of the region, larger ability to extract resources from the region with impunity, uh, and, you know, just, you know, the dominion of imperialism. It's all about power and maintaining the dollar's monopoly as the world's reserve currency, as the world's price of oil, with Saudi Arabia, you know, the OPEC con controllers, they're kind of a corporate fascist, illegitimate state. Both Israel and Saudi Arabia were set up by a British military coup with America backing so that they can bring the American military might into the Middle East to take resources and serve whatever kind of ideological goals they may have. I mean, some of them don't. Some of them play religion, like those at the very top of Zionism aren't actually Jewish, while they, you know, they have a lot of brainwashed people that are. Yeah, and, and you know they there's you know there's definitely a zealotry with with uh, within uh, Judaism for Zionism. My guess on last week's show was head of Jews united against Zionism, uh, and and with the, you know you have the U.S. government perverting every single world world religion for this World War Three that they're trying to create. And uh, I could you know be as paranoid as I want to about nuclear war, but a lot of people are paranoid on the side of like it's going to come from the terrorists. We have to run. And, I think it's going to come from the side of the U.S. government and Israel's government and Saudi Arabia. They're the ones who are willing to take us over the cliff, not Iran, not Iran, not Russia. And so we should be very weary of the imperialist machine who are so willing to drop bombs on people. These next two songs is called Bring Back the Bomb by Guar. And then after that, Spontaneous by the band Toxic and it's spelled with a K. Both very uh, telling songs. Bring Back the Bomb is about, you know, the, their willy-nilliness to want to use the bomb, and they want to. These guys, they don't, if they don't care about human, the fragility of human life enough to not put fluoride in the water, they, they don't view human life as any... They, they, they don't give a crap about you or I. David Rockefeller, all these guys, all these war criminals sitting at the very top of society, using the government's monopoly on force to get their way, they don't give a crap about human life. We're ants to them. Literally, they eat off of us, off of dead people to survive with wars that they profit off of. They, and they profit off of both sides. That's why they funded Hitler. So this is Bring Back the Bomb and Spontaneous. First one by Guar. And then after that, by Toxic with a K. KKSM and LRN.FM. Take 
You're listening to KKSM Oceanside, Palomar College Radio. The infiltration into the Americas by terrorists, by outside interference, those who aren't just aiming at El Salvador, but I think are aiming at North America.
Are you tired of governments murdering people around the world? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin cannot be inflated or controlled by any government. By using their money, you are helping the state. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available now. Learn it, use it, spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. That's WeUseCoins.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside, com. Welcome back, everybody, to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. My guest in the last hour was Dr. David Kennedy, DDS, director of Fluoride Gate, the movie, playing August 23rd at the Oceanside International Film Festival. We talked about the poison of fluoride and how they're putting it in the water supply and why that means they don't give a damn about human life. My guest for this hour is talking about another thing, another policy that is very anti-human life, and that is the policy of drug prohibition and what it's really about. Let me give you a, uh, an example. I saw this movie the other week uh, called 420, the documentary. Anslinger, one of the guys that basically one of the fathers of drug prohibition or at least the propaganda campaigns that came out of it, he said, and I'm quoting him, so I, let me forgive, forgive me if it sounds offensive because it is extremely racist. Anslinger says, quote, Reefer makes darkies think that they are as good as white people. End quote. Anslinger, drug war, propaganda. That's what it's all about. And never mind that when you make something illegal, uh, it doesn't go away. Prohibition is what causes, is the sole only cause of what causes gangs to arm themselves. Otherwise, they'd be able to settle their disputes in courts like every other legitimate business does in this country. So it's meant to stir up this violence, meant to create a black market where people arm themselves and jack up the prices and sell it to our kids because they don't check for ID or, you know, give people that are expecting a certain substance, not that substance. You know, they don't give a damn about their own customers or the quality of the product. And the death toll on innocent people is what my next guest is going to talk about because he is a former border agent. He knows that in Mexico and even in the United States, people that are never associated with drugs somehow get killed or kidnapped by these cartels. And he saw it firsthand. That's why he resigned from his uh, uh, his uh, job at uh, in immigration because he saw that the uh, that marijuana laws are not are an unjust fallacy, you know people take it like a Cheech and Chong, ha ha, funny. Yet if they were to ever look at the bodies, they might find a different way of looking at it. That it is a serious issue. So my next guest is not only a former law enforcement agent that can attest to it, but he resigned 
over marijuana laws and his distaste for them. And that's why he joined Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, one of my favorite organizations. Joining me now is Jamie Haas. He is a former uh, customs and immigration special agent uh, involved in uh, the narcotics wing of those agencies. And he resigned over his views on the war on drugs and is now a speaker at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Jamie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. No problem. So the war on drugs, uh, give, given your uh, your position in law enforcement in immigration and customs, uh, it, is, it especially affects the border situation. What was your experience in customs and immigration, and what conclusions did you make uh, regarding your experience in regards to the efficacy of the war on drugs? Um, I started my career for U.S. Customs in Charleston, and it was mostly about inspecting cargo and things like that. It wasn't a lot about interdicting narcotics and things like that. It wasn't until 2009 when I worked in Laredo and saw the sheer the sheer volume of marijuana every day that comes over that bridge. So you see that cannabis alone is really fueling the majority of the drug war. Mm-hmm. So I worked for the government for about 10 years, but it really wasn't until working on the border where I really saw the impact that, that marijuana is having with the death toll that's occurring in Mexico. Definitely. And certainly law enforcement against prohibition participated in Caravan for Peace, led by Mexican poet Javier Cecilia to to promote ending the drug war and had member, uh, family members of people who have who have had their uh, loved ones kidnapped or killed. Um, how does the war on drugs affect innocent people who are uninvolved with the drug trade at, at pretty much at all? Uh, how do how does it affect them on both sides of the border as far as deaths and kidnappings go? Well, on the Mexican side of the border, it affects a lot of innocent people. You have politicians, musicians, journalists who are getting killed every day. I actually took part in the Peace Caravan, met Javier Cecilia in Atlanta, and went up with them in Washington, D.C., too. Um, that was pretty interesting. And then here at home, you see it, too. You see people getting arrested. Obviously, it affects family members, friends, their parents, um, children. You have children being taken away from, from their families for simple things like, you know, small amounts of, of cannabis or marijuana. So it's got a huge, huge, huge effect for everybody. The lower step of the border. That has to do with how prohibition causes armaments. We never see Budweiser and Corona duking it out with guns on the border. Why is prohibition the factor that adds the guns to the equation? And why do you see drug prohibition as futile to uh, the armaments issue, as well as uh, how supply and de- prohibition will never quash supply and demand. Well, as long as there's profits to be made in the black market, we're going to continue to see you know criminals go that way. Like you said, with with Budweiser, Coors, these industries are regulated, and if we could regulate drugs, I specifically, you know, I'm law enforcement against prohibition stance is you know drugs are bad, the drug war is worse. I'm all for that. Personally, my main motivation in this is marijuana alone. I think we need to start with that one and get that one off the table. Um, and we see if we can re- regulate it, you know, it's going to take all the, the, the violence, the black market's going to go away overnight pretty much. How is the recent capturing of the Zetas cartel uh, main guy, uh, how, how is that going to have no effect on supply or, or the dangers of the armaments of the cartels whatsoever? First, I want to state, 
I think it's the greatest thing. It's not going to have an effect on the flow of drugs. Obviously, we know that. Somebody else will, will, will take his place. But, you know, I've studied these cartels for a long time now. I know all the leaders. He is the most vicious one imaginable, the, the worst one that they've captured yet. You know, you look at the 72 migrants that were killed. He's got his hands all on that. Um, the journalists who were hung in Nuevo Laredo, the female journalists, um, he was behind the net. So, you know, I'm very happy that he was captured. But again, somebody's going to take his place. Definitely. Do you think they will uh, have the same tendency to be as brutal? Personally, I think the Lozettas don't have the leadership anymore to really carry on. I think that we're going to see in the next few months that that cartel will kind of be absolved, or at least it will be downsized. I think the Gulf Cartel and the Sinaloa Cartel from the West Coast is going to take advantage of this, and they're going to move into northeast Mexico, and you're going to see them control those corridors in the next couple months. Mm -hmm. But um, the violence might subside, um, but again, the flow of drugs is not going to as long as we have prohibition in place, the, the flow of drugs, as long as there's money there, it's going to, you know, continue to increase. Is the fact that the show entails with the DEA raids and they get more larger and larger drug supplies every time, is that a sign of failure or a failure of the war on drugs? And that it would that a sign of failure is that drugs are actually increasing in supply. Yeah, I think so too. I think the DEA at this point, um, is getting pretty desperate. You know, we have a majority of Americans, 52% of Americans now want marijuana. And when you, like you mentioned the DA, I think as, as we move forward and we see more people open-minded to, to legalizing marijuana like alcohol, we're going to see the DA become more and more desperate to protect their revenues. No agency wants to downsize. You know, that's not in any agency's um, interest. You know, they want to continue to worry about their next year's fiscal budget. So they're going to be getting more, more, more and more desperate as more and more Americans want to legalize marijuana. Mm -hmm. How does the DEA, um, how their budget from civil asset forfeiture uh, doubles their congressional budget? Um, why, why is that an extra impediment for them to not uh, stop marijuana uh, prohibition so they could keep taking people's stuff? When you think of asset forfeiture, I think, and this might be a little off, off your question, but I think the DEA is able to keep local law enforcement and state law enforcement in the equation because they... They give so much money away to, to local to local law enforcement, the local cops, to keep you know keep on with this war on drugs, and I think that's what they use a lot of the asset forfeiture for. And we use it too. I was an ICE agent. I was an ICE special agent. My last government car was a Toyota Camry, all decked out. And, you know, it was the uh, it was the a drug a drug dealer's wife's car. So basically, the government was able to come in and take all his. His house, his home, his wife's car. You know, my last car was, was a drug dealer's wife, wife's car. It was a Toyota Camry. So definitely see that, you know, there's an, there definitely is a government interest in, in asset forfeiture and taking people's property. Yeah, definitely. For those just joining, I'm speaking with Jamie Haas. He's a speaker at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. You can visit their site at www.leap.cc. So what is your take on, on the Fast and Furious scandal or even just in general how the government picks and chooses cartels to side with in order to try to take down other cartels? I've been asked this before, and I'm kind of 50-50. I've worked with the ATF in Laredo, so, you know, I, I don't know if if the ATF was really trying to supply the Sinaloa cartel with, with arms. I think they let them, they, they started a criminal investigation. They were not able to keep up with those firearms, those assault rifles. 
and they ended up in Mexico. However, I will say, and I can't—I don't know this for a fact, but I do think our intelligence agencies play more of a role than our criminal, you know, than our more than our criminal justice, our federal enforcement agencies. So the CIA could have a role in in definitely supplying the Sinaloa cartel with with assault rifles. Obviously, Los Zetas are the most brutal cartel in Mexico, and the U.S. does have a vested interest in seeing a, a, a more tamer cartel take that one out. So I, I can't really talk to the facts of what went on in that, though. Definitely. Um, and uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about civil liberties uh, in regards to the drug war. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't say uh, citizen in the Constitution refers to all persons because a tyrannical government can just say you're no longer a citizen, Alex or, or Jamie, and therefore you don't have any rights. Um, if it only applies to citizens. So how does the war on drugs not only violate the civil liberties guaranteed in the Bill of Rights as far as American citizens are concerned, but also violating the civil liberties of non-citizens? Do uh, Mexicans or other uh, people coming into the country through border checkpoints who have no drugs on them, uh, do they have any expectation of civil liberties or, or having their dignity respected if they are not committing any crimes? Well, first of all, when you look at a border check, we're getting a little carried away with our border checkpoints because we're moving them farther away from the border. At, at the border, when people cross back and forth the border, you really don't have any Fourth Amendment rights. The government can take your laptop, take your laptop, but you can be as intrusive as they want to be. You know, I, the, the U.S. does have threats out there, so you know, I, I think mm-hmm. we we do need to be able to search people's property along the border. However, we're seeing those checkpoints. Far, moving farther inland into the country, and the Border Patrol is taking advantage of this. But like you say, I mean, the war on drugs, we're looking for narcotics on people, and we're innocent people are crossing the border every day. So the fact that, that our war on drugs is very intrusive on, on innocent people as well. So, you know. Definitely. Um, how, Hope I answered that all right. Definitely. <laughs> um, how would, uh, how would a, a legalized and regulated cannabis and hemp industry uh, improve border violence, trade relations, and, and just, you know, an economic boom, improving the poor economic and employment situation in both the U.S. and Mexico, as well as other Latin American countries? It would be huge. That is a great question. When you look at the Customs and Border Protection, CBP is the main federal agency seizing drugs along our border. And when you look at the entire, even the Canadian border, when you look at all the drugs that we, that agency seizes, Marijuana is 97% of everything. So, and we're talking about immigration reform. I'm actually working on an article right now about this, but we're work, Congress is you know, working on an immigration reform bill right now and wants to add 20,000 more Border Patrol agents. But we, we already have thousands of them, and all they're doing is, is seizing marijuana all day. So if you took that substance alone out of the equation, number one, our Border Patrol could focus on things like terrorism more, harder drugs, harder narcotics, things like that. And it definitely would free up trade because so much time is is spent in, you know, doing inspections, interdictions and and seizing marijuana. And it's not as simple as it seems. You have to you have to weigh the marijuana, store the marijuana, save it for evidence, destroy it. I mean, it's very time consuming. And DHS and Customs and Border Protection are wasting so many hours on on marijuana, especially because considering most, again, most Americans want it like treated like alcohol. Mm-hmm. And this sort of also goes into the question of drugs uh, flowing across the border and how uh, ending the drug war would improve it. How, how would ending the drug war affect the quality of drugs, like as far as purity or, you know, that you know what you're 
the exact like quality and quantity um, to prevent things like overdose or, or people taking unknowingly a drug cut with who knows what like rat poison or something or, or, or especially when it comes to people smuggling drugs in not so sanitary places like within their own bodies. How, how would that improve uh, those situations? You're very correct on that. I mean, especially when you think about internal body carriers, and I've seen that, you know, where people, you know, have swallowed balloons and they've had to be taken to the hospital and wait them out to go to the bathroom. It's pretty disgusting. So you're definitely right. In a regulated control market, you know, it would be safer. It could be monitored. It would be above the ground. Right now, everything is below the ground, and and, and it's it's unsafe. It's unhealthy. And, you know, we need to get rid of this stupid policy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um Certainly when it comes to the border, you mentioned Homeland Security. Um, what is Homeland Security's sort of swallowing of Border Patrol as well as other immigration agencies? What does that spell for a high-tech war on drugs with their, their talk of using drones and even weaponized drones along the border? Homeland Security is a, is a monster. You know, it, was just, yeah. it was created in 2003. Um, in, a lot of, I've done a lot of libertarian conferences and things like that, and everybody's so, you know, Homeland Security is a boogeyman, you know, but the Secret Service is in that agency, the Coast Guard is in that agency, FEMA is in that agency. So when you really look at the, the nuts and bolts of the, the war on drugs, it's mainly the border patrol, the border agencies, excuse me, and that is Customs and Border Protection, which Border Patrol is a part of, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So we do have drones. Actually, the capture of Miguel Trevino Morales last week. Um, I recently read an article that uh, uh, ICE, the agency I used to work for, one of our drones was actually used to to detect his location. Um, so, again, it's all, you know, we need to get, the, the war on drugs just continues to weaponize and weaponize and weaponize. And if we get that out, we can, we can kind of rebuild and start from scratch and do it right. Certainly. For those just listening, I am speaking with Jamie Haas. He is a speaker at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. So, so discuss how um, how you came to resign from your uh, position at ICE uh, and uh, what were your sentiments about the war on drugs at the time? Again, I started as a uniform guy in Charleston, South Carolina. It was mainly looking at cargo from the Middle East and Europe, things like that, more of a terrorism type you know, structure. And then I went to Baltimore, did a lot of criminal investigations. In 2009, the beginning of March 2009, the Obama administration mandated that more uh, ICE resources be sent to the border. I was the only one from the office to volunteer. So I went and, you know, when people in the interior at that time in 2009, I don't think they were very aware of what was happening in Mexico. So when I, when I went down there, really, really opened my eyes and and to, to see the death toll continuing to continue, continuing and continuing to rise in Mexico and for me to see that it's it's really mostly marijuana that is continuing to drive the, the senseless you know bloodshed, it kind of opened my eyes when I came home and I started to dive into the cartels and study it and study it and study it. And I knew I liked to write, so I you know I started to write writing and writing and um, I finally got a job in the private sector and was able to resign from the government. And that's when I joined LEAP, um, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, again. Um, had about 11 or 12 articles published since. So, you know, I took a massive pay cut, but I know in my heart I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely can uh, live free now, you know, with a clear conscience and things like that. Definitely. How, how is uh, the war on drugs dangerous for law enforcement? Because when prohibition causes armaments, those bullets are going to fly in your guys' direction. 
Definitely. I actually lost a, good, a friend of mine, a ICE agent, a fellow ICE agent that I worked with in Laredo. He was killed in, in Mexico. He was driving from Monterey to Mexico City. Uh, he was surrounded. His SUV was surrounded by a group of Lozettas. And uh, he was shot point blank range with an AK-47 and killed. So law enforcement is the war on drugs is the major the major threat to law enforcement and, and other cops need to start opening their eyes to that and see that this is senseless mm -hmm. how, how can average uh, law enforcement officers because you know the 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 people that support the war on drugs are really not law enforcement officers they're the politicians and the institutions around like the bureaucracies that surround it um how can they uh better protect their own lives by just uh, trying to get rid of this institutionalized uh, sort of political, because the only resistance to the war on drugs is political, not anything logical. It is. It, it, it's all political. And I wish more politicians would wake up to the fact of, of, that a majority of Americans are supportive of, of legalizing now. Most states that have medical marijuana policy or even Washington, Colorado now with, with recreational use, they all have voter referendums and ballot initiatives, most for them, not all of them, but the majority of them. So a lot of the states that are, are still left trying to get it done, we have to rely on our legislators to 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 get that in, the, in their state houses, you know, and, and a lot of them are hesitant to do that. But they need to wake up to the fact that a majority of Americans are on board with this. So, you know, it's up to the legislators to wake up to it. And more cops need to, to speak up, too. It's really hard to be an active duty, mm -hmm. um, you know full-time active duty police officer in law enforcement and, and take a stand. You know, I was there and, you know, I was, I used to argue quite a bit with DEA agents, National Guardsmen, uh, had one National Guard guy who couldn't even believe that I was in the government with the, the opinion that I had about marijuana. So we're seeing that though, the cop, the, the police officer in St. Louis, we're seeing him, he, he was able to keep his job with the St. Louis police and he's lobbying for, uh, for the marijuana legalization lobby in Missouri. So I, I think awesome. it's, you know, it's getting better. Definitely. Do you have any final words for our listeners and let them know where they can find law enforcement against prohibition online? Um, keep at it, you know, keep, keep contacting your, your legislators. We're getting there. Uh, law enforcement against prohibition, awesome organization. I have so many friends in there. It's www.leap.cc. Great website, great blog. Uh, their Facebook page is one of the best resources too. We've got close to, I think 80,000 followers now. So Awesome. You know, definitely get involved and, you know, help out as much as possible. And I appreciate you having me on your show. No problem. I've been speaking here with Jamie Haas of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Thank you again for stopping by the program. All right, Alex. Nice talking to you. And if you missed any part of the podcast, it will be up on iTunes tomorrow. Just search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. Or listen to LRN.FM's LRN weekly podcast loop. And, of course, my guest in the last hour was Jamie Haas of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. In the previous hour, I had Dr. David Kennedy, DDS, who's the director of FluoridGate. He's a dentist who is an anti-fluoride activist. And it is a poison. And you should care. And you should get involved to stop drug prohibition and fluoride because it starts with you. You cannot wait on elections, given that these are timely issues. Dr. Sanjay Gupta who was poised to be a uh, bigwig in the Obama administration, turned down the offer and came out against medical marijuana, but then came out for it, saying he owes a huge apology about how he was so wrong on the issue of cannabis being a medicine, so much so that yesterday 
he put out a special on CNN called Weed with Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Seek it out online if you missed it. Check it out. Uh, and believe me, I think this is BS, but Eric Holder is saying that they're going to try to reduce mandatory minimum sentencing to alleviate our over-incarceration problem. Why not just eliminate the entire war on drugs? That's why we have an over-incarceration problem in the first place. Don't even put the kids in the courtroom to receive your lesser mandatory minimum sentencing. It's just absurd. But uh, in regards to you know cannabis being a medicine, it is a medicine. And it's about time that we started treating like it. Uh, and, you know, then we could, because, again, going back to fluoride and medical cannabis, both timely issues. Fluoride is timely because irreversible damage is being committed to our environment and our human bodies for every drop. They, naturally, with naturally occurring fluoride that just exists in nature, I mean, what about the notion we should just leave nature alone? But they, Levenheim Municipal Water District, here locally in Encinitas, wants to jack that up to 0.7 parts per million when it naturally it's point, less than 0.1 at safe levels. And those are more, the you know, when you give infants tap water, which you shouldn't, you know, that's uh, more than they can handle. It's damn near overdose, and you, you could kill somebody with that. Never mind the irreversible damage it does to their body. Never mind the irreversible damage it does when it goes into the rain cycle. So every day that they're fluoridating the water, they're causing irreversible damage. So we can't wait for an election to change this. We have to start this now. Yesterday. Two years. Whenever they started, got the bright idea to put toxic chemical waste into the water supply. Same thing with medical cannabis. While I support ending prohibition in its entirety, I think that people that are medically in need of cannabis should be the last people to have the guns pointed at their face. Even though I'm supportive of individual rights, not you know putting people into groups uh, and giving them different rights because of that. Uh, from a compassion issue, I support you know protecting their rights because people die without access to medical cannabis because they are left to die by this. Uh, allopathic medical system they're saying go home and die we tried all these allopathic drugs on you you just go home and die people that are lucky enough to have enough cannabis to make Rick Simpson oil out of because you need at least a pound to make for one cancer curing therapy uh, people people then go home and you know say uh, I'm going to do this Rick Simpson oil and they end up surviving their terminal illness now it may not work for everybody but it works for far more people than the allopathic medicine industry can ever fathom to reach. And we'll be able to find out what kind of person, what blood type or body type or situation will Rick Simpson oil not work for if the DEA would lift the, the sanctions on the research. And if people were be, be able to research it more freely, they'd be able to find out just exactly what would make cannabis not work on somebody, what kind of person they need to be. Because it's not necessary, like, yeah, it cured cancer for a lot of people. So, yes, it does cause cancer cells to kill themselves. But maybe not, maybe there's a few people. So it would be nice if the DEA would lax the research uh, restrictions. And then we, they don't want to do that.
because they work for Big Pharma, we'd have the empirical evidence to say that it does do these things. And and the only people that were actually allowed to do this was UCSD. They did a study. So uh, UCSD and uh, UCI and uh, UC Davis, I check it out. They have, they, UCSD has like a marijuana studies center. And they did it and its effects on multiple sclerosis, which is absolutely breathtaking. You know, how it actually eliminates muscle spasticity. So people think marijuana just gets you high and, and makes you forget about things. So you're less depressed. No, it's actually far more powerful and far-reaching than most people can imagine if they're just watching propaganda. But thankfully, my guest in the last hour, Jamie Haas of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, helped break down that propaganda. I'm more of the border side because he was a former immigration agent and how it causes all the horrors. It is the sole cause for the horrors in the border with a drug war. If, they, if there was no war on drugs, the, the, they wouldn't be arming themselves to not only to protect against the police, but to mark their own territory. Rather than, hey, like every other business does, they rely on property rights, universal, you know, this kind of human right to own the fruits of your labor. Anybody that violates that, you take them to court, you don't shoot them up. It's that simple. And that's why we should end prohibition, because it is a prison. And that's why I want to play this song by Aaron Maiden called The Prisoner, because we have way too many people in prison. Uh, it's racially uh, disproportionate. They just said that stop and frisk is going to continue even after it was ruled un unconstitutional. And stop and frisk not only is it racist, it just violates civil liberties, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. And, I mean, regardless of whether it's written on a piece of paper or not, it's a natural right. It exists regardless of whether the Fourth Amendment exists or not. But it's nice to have, a, you know, an idea, uh, you know, say, hey, it's enumerated here. At least I can show for something. The Constitution would be a good place to start at the very least, you know. I am I would be partial to either uh, anarchist or minarchist constitutionalist society. Regardless, in both of those scenarios, whether you have a limited minimum government or no government, people who use force on other people are going to be held accountable. And no one institution, if they call themselves the state or not, no one institution has the right to violate anybody's rights, right to not be searched in this system we call a state search for crimes involving no victim it's just absurd you know it's just so silly like that that's the productive job you know putting on a on a, on a costume and a badge and going around searching people who have done nothing wrong like why not you know grow some food do something better it, it, the the biggest role for law enforcement is just to protect against people who actually do harm in this society like robbers and rapists and murderers but if they had actually do that, they'd probably be knocking uh, with, you know, with a militarized police force on the Federal Reserve Building and arrest those guys that cause all the wars and that, you know, have people in Middle Eastern countries raped by troops and everything like that. And the murder and the robbery, the highway robbery of the Federal Reserve System. If they want to go after the real criminals, that would be it. Peace officership. And it's not the police or the troops' fault because, you know, it's an institutionalized thing. That's why the Oath Keeper movement is so important in this country uh, that it's simply a saying no. Having a brain and a spine to be able to, you know, use objective morality to make your own decisions that when they tell you to round up your neighbor who hasn't committed a crime, you know, indefinite detention, regardless of whether they're an American citizen or not because we're all human beings, this nationalism stuff has got to stop. 
Would you say no or would you obey the man and say yes and round up people and throw them off into FEMA camps with to be prisoners? And so that's why I want to play The Prisoner by Iron Maiden. And then after that is Savage by Judas Priest. And the line is, who's the real savage? Modern man. Because, you know, a lot of the neocons and the they like to call like Palestinians and Muslims. They call it, like, to, like to call them savages. Well, who are the real savages? We ought to take a look in the mirror. Because what we're doing, it ain't civilized. It ain't human. It's downright ugly. And we cannot justify it no matter what, we, what way we want to cut it. So this, The Prisoner. By Iron Maiden, and then after that, The Savage by Judas Priest. Here on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number, I am a free man. <laughs>
Savage by Judas Priest, and before that, The Prisoner by Iron Maiden. And I think Savage has a lot to do with the Palestinian situation. You know, it's you you come to our, you know, you, we're peaceful people, and you, to us, it's a jungle. Uh, to or no, to to you, it's a jungle. To us, it's our kingdom. You know, who is the real savage? It's modern man. It's not the Palestinians. And I want to talk a little bit about some cool things I did over the weekend and uh, in the past few weeks. So yesterday I headed out to Santa Monica for the Adam Kokesh Civil Disobedience Beach Party. And it's the free Adam Kokesh. He's currently in jail being held without bond. Um, Let me check his Facebook page. I have it open right now. Um, So he's being held without bond for the video he made, you know, uh, uh, with the shotgun on, on, on DC's Freedom Plaza. To, to do civil disobedience in support of the Second Amendment. And he's slated to to appear in court tomorrow, August 3rd, or no, actually, it, you know, yes, tomorrow he'll appear uh, to reconsider his bond conditions. And they've held him without bail because the judge considers him to be a dangerous person. Yes, exercising his Second Amendment rights, harming nobody. And actually not being a a Christian right-wing wingnut when doing it, you know. Uh, And I talked about this on my, I made a video for the My Friend Adam hashtag campaign, you know, that, you know, people on the left that are against police brutality, you know, that's the, that's gun control is why the police state will thrive because they want to increase the disparity of force between you and the militarized police forces they're going they're not going to go after criminals they're going to go after innocent people for nothing that's what fascism is all about it's population control or or just killing people you know authority uh spending more money on military so we can just empty out the cartridges and you you empty them out onto innocent people onto civilians <laughs> it's not a pretty picture and America does not have any sort of magical fairy dust that protects us from the winds of history repeating itself or fascism for any for that matter. America is just as vulnerable and we're already here. Take a look around. I mean, the fact that Adam had a militarized police raid on his house for a victimless crime. If you look on uh, Luke from wearechange.org, did a video interviewing people that lived at, at Adam's house, and they said that that the police pulled Adam Kokesh aside from his friends, and they pu- pulled him into a separate room so they could watch, so he could watch them plant evidence of drugs on him, that the mushrooms were planted on him, on him, that they brought in bags, brown baggies, and that's not so far fetched given that they plant evidence on people all the time. So we went to Santa Monica. Adam did it a year ago or so. Uh, civil disobedience beach party uh, to, you know, break unjust laws. It's illegal to throw a frisbee in Santa Monica beaches. It's illegal to dig a hole of a certain depth. So we were digging holes and police on their uh, ATVs were cruising around endangering people with dangerous... Uh, motor vehicles on the beach for people digging holes. It kind of it kind of opens your eyes and you just get to see the absurdity of it that people spend their time around, 
you know, with badges on going around and, and they, they do that. They, that's like, it's so depraved and absurd when we, when we could all be hanging out in peace and harmony and not be doing things that bully other people. Like bully people for doing things that harm nobody. And yeah, it was a great time. Dig some holes, threw some frisbees. Uh, and throughout the whole, the entirety of it all, I think I, I ended up, uh, I ended up consuming some cannabis on Alex Jones, Alex Jones's Infowars. <laughs> I was like the epitome of it. I was, I was lighting a joint while we were filming for like a big, like cheer free Adam Kokesh for somebody that was filming for Infowars, even though I don't watch Alex Jones and nor do I maybe even agree with him on, on a lot of things uh, um, I, I do think he's just a little bit less crazy than I used to think he was. Uh, that's not the point. It, it was a good time. It was it was good for liberty, I think, uh, and got to raise money to help his uh, legal defense against this tyrannical government. Another thing I did, I got to hang out with uh, Gary Johnson in Los Angeles. Uh, he gave a pretty good speech on on you know, the two-party system, the Commission on Presidential Debates, the wars. I think I think Gary Johnson would have been Edward Snowden if he would have been president. There would be no Edward Snowden if, if Gary Johnson were to have been president because he would have been Edward Snowden on day one, exposed the programs, and then uh, work to end them. Uh, I'm not sure if, the, if he'd be running around Russia <laughs> or, looking, or looking, for, uh, looking for asylum if he was elected president. That's an interesting factor that, you know, while, you know, we can't wait on politics, presidents are and everything, it would just, it would be really nice if somebody like Gary Johnson was president. A lot of people, a lot less people will be getting blown up and, you know, maybe we wouldn't be getting spied upon. Maybe that's why they didn't want to put him in the presidential debates because he might have a shot at winning the presidency and then he might have uncovered prison because he probably didn't know about it just as much as we didn't know about it. That's, they want to keep people that are like you and I from finding out about this stuff because if we were in positions of power, we would stop it. And uh, I, I was way too shy to, like, I got to talk to him for a little bit. Uh, then I totally, you know, I was way too shy to ask him a certain thing. And because and, uh, I'm a shy person, I mean, in general, it's just this thing that I'm trying to get over. You know, despite being on the radio, despite taking on tyrants and stuff, when it comes to. <laughs> Uh, things I'm just still a pretty shy person maybe you know not not the biggest self-esteem but thankfully somebody told him that and I got a surprise phone call and and got to ask him the question and then even like the person that I know in, in San Diego uh, they he, he, further surprise I got a signed constitution <laughs> from Gary Johnson which is pretty cool it doesn't happen every day <laughs> kind of going in reverse chronological order than a couple of days before that I went to the Zeitgeist Media Festival which is pretty cool um, you know may not agree with everything in the movie but it's uh, definitely a, a eye opening uh, delves into religion the false falsity of, of religion uh, even the, I mean like on the higher higher echelons of organized religion I have nothing against people that are Christian or Jewish or Muslim there's too much Islamophobia um and me being like an atheist myself, you know, I always, you know, tend to criticize all the religions where they falter. But, you know, when you get to it, the average people, 
you know, it's governments and militaries and money and, and power that co- corrupt religions with the Vatican, with Israel, with, Sa- you know, Saudi Arabia and the U.S. I mean, the U.S. is essentially responsible for Islamic extremism with funding al-Qaeda in the 80s, funding al-Qaeda today in Syria. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge mystery, isn't it, why these militants never go after Israel. It's because they're on the side of Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia does a lot of funneling of money and guns. Israel does some funneling of money and guns to these guys, or at least bombs them for them, bombs Syria. You know, we're all fighting a proxy war here for Israel. Um, or the U.S. gives them guns and money. Um, so, yeah, we support Islamic fundamentalism. So the, the, it's kind of like it doesn't re- you know how it doesn't represent real Muslims? Well, that's the reason. It's funded by the U.S. So that they can create the stabilization in the Middle East and then they could show videos of al-Qaeda. You know, CIA can paint a boogeyman of, and be anti-Muslim over their puppet media uh, you know, it's it's all the same crap. Perversion of every single world religion for militarism. But the, the second half of, of of Zeitgeist was, you know, talking about nine eleven, and and then and then the banking system. And uh, I, I I do recommend watching the movies, even though it, it, you may not agree with everything. It's just it's just always good to get other people's takes on it. But it was a great festival. I, I definitely think that Peter Joseph's a cool guy. Directed the Black Sabbath video. Um, a lot of cool speakers. Abby Martin from RT's Breaking the Set, one of the coolest shows on uh, on cable television, I would say. Like, uh, you know, I, I always like to. I go to like a lot of older thinkers, uh, like uh, or economists or something like, or philosophers. But you know, it's nice to get news perspectives from people that aren't dead. And thankfully, we have people like Abby Martin doing that. On RT, gave a great speech. She's an artist. Showed slideshows of her cool, you know, psychedelic artwork. There are a lot of cool artists. Actually, the guy, the guy that plays bass for my band, he has a guy uh, that does like interpretive hand painting or whatever. Uh, my bass player is GaryJabillion.com if you want to go to that. But the the painter is Norton Wisdom, and he does these crazy, you know, he he's got to be one of my favorite artists aside from, uh, uh, you know, because I. I'm more of a music guy, less of a, a you know, a paint, painting. But I do appreciate all forms of art. Um, but I just know less about painting. Um, but yeah, he was really cool. Then there was a there was a lot of interesting musical acts. One guy is actually like a civil rights hero from the '60s, and the FBI. He was on the FBI's watch list, just like Martin Luther King was, for speaking his mind. He is absolutely gnarly. Um, let me let me try to pull this up. And he 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 was there. He um, uh, his name. Yes, his name is. I I do believe it's K B Solomon. It's the one that looks like him. But he was he was they, they he was a civil rights hero, which is really cool. And then and then after that, uh, it was the free and equal. Uh, Christina Tobin and every, and uh, Peter Joseph came up and talked about the United We Stand festival coming up, coming up in October at UCLA, and I think that thing is going to be totally revolutionary, uh, with Public Enemy headlining. So if you're out, if you want to see Public Enemy take on the two party system, uh, with free and equal, go to that United We Stand fest October 12th at UCLA. It's it's totally you know I, 
I, I miss going to concerts because you know with the bad economy and you know just the state of art as it is it's kind of like we're we're in a good time because there's a lot of people you know being honest but at the same time you know it's hard to you know make music when you're unemployed like myself <laughs> so it's it, it sort of also is a bad time so it's thankfully that uh, thankfully that people are putting on you know great there's a lot of kind of and, and the sparsity of the concert scene that it is with less and less good things you know the less is kind of more because a lot the ones that do happen that are good they are amazing and like gnarly like the whether the death to all tours for chuck schuldiner the late guitarist of death or or uh, you have goblin reuniting coming to america touring finally or, or this thing, you know, taking on the two-party system, one of the most important things that we can do. Uh, she gave a great speech. Very, you can feel the winds of revolution uh, throughout the whole thing. Uh, and people of all different kinds of viewpoints. It's kind of like you can't put people in a box when you're an independent thinker. You can't do the left-right paradigm or any kind of isms. It's all, you know, and nobody's really hating on each other because the two-party system's about... I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, we have to hate each other, whereas we should really be uniting and focusing on the people that really cause us all the harm. You know, we look at the Federal Reserve, we, and it's really authority is an illusion. We let people that wear badges use force on us for things that aren't crimes to really protect and serve the bankers and the corporations and the government, not the people and the Constitution like they're supposed to and, and our rights as individuals. So hopefully things do start to change, uh, but I would recommend cha uh, checking out uh, the, the Zeitgeist movies, um, Abby Martin's Breaking the Set TV show, um, and definitely the Free and Equal United We Stand Festival, October 12th at UCLA. But it's the top of the hour here at KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, as well as this show, Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org, podcasting on the Liberty Radio Network, Keene, New Hampshire, lrn.fm. Gonna do a quick news break, and then we'll come back with more. This news brief is brought to you by the Police Accountability Group, copblock.org, where their police accountability report. Before you cross the street, you better look both ways, or we'll throw you in the pokey for a dozen days. And all around the county, every woman and man knows, we'll pull you over just to play our banjo. The Police Accountability Report, brought to you by coplock.org. Coplock is a decentralized project supported by a diverse group of individuals united by their shared goals of police accountability, education of individual rights, and the dissemination of effective tactics to utilize while filming police. From Keene in the Shire, the Liberty Media Capital of the World, this is Daryl W. Perry, host of the Police Accountability Report, brought to you by Coplock.org. This week, a couple of stories that should cause anyone critically thinking to see that those wearing badges aren't always operating with the best of intentions. A former Henry County, Alabama sheriff's deputy has been indicted on charges related to stealing property from people during traffic stops. Nicholas Dwayne Cheek was indicted on three felony counts of second-degree theft of property and one felony count of intimidating a witness, according to a Dothan Eagle report. 
He was originally arrested on the charges in 2012. Cheek is accused of stealing property such as handguns and prescription medication from people during traffic stops between 2008 and 2012. The charges against Cheek were dropped by the state last year because the defense kept continuing the case, according to the newspaper. In other news, a Jersey City police officer pled not guilty this month to federal charges that he stole 600,000 cigarettes and robbed a government informant he thought was a drug courier. Mario Rodriguez appeared in court with shackles on his wrist and ankles. He spoke only to say he understood the charges against him, cargo theft, and conspiracy to commit extortion. The judge entered the not guilty plea for Rodriguez into the record. Several supporters in the gallery wept, and one woman who left the courtroom could be heard sobbing in the hallway. Rodriguez, who the criminal complaint says went by the name Mad Dog, also appeared to be struggling to keep his emotions in check. He lived a law-abiding life, according to his attorney, Brian Neary. He claimed, these allegations go to the core of what he is and how he sees himself. U.S. District Judge Kathy Waldor ordered Rodriguez released on $250,000 bail to home confinement and electronic monitoring. A cargo theft conviction is punishable by up to 10 years in prison. A conviction on the conspiracy charge carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Jersey City spokeswoman Jennifer Morrill said Rodriguez, an officer with the city for eight and a half years, is suspended without pay while the criminal prosecution proceeds. According to the criminal complaint, Rodriguez was approached last month by a government informant who offered to help him steal cigarettes and TVs from a trailer park in Secaucus. With law enforcement agents doing surveillance, the two stole 50 cases of cigarettes and several televisions and drove to Staten Island, where Rodriguez sold the cigarettes to an undercover agent for $5,000. A week later, Rodriguez, the informant, and the undercover agent met with another undercover agent to discuss robbing a female drug courier who was also working undercover. Two weeks later, on July 24th, they went with a friend of Rodriguez's to meet the courier in a mall parking lot in Jersey City. Rodriguez and friend Anthony Roman approached a car that law enforcement agents had set up with a bag containing $20,000. The two men identified themselves as law enforcement officers and threatened to arrest the woman, then pretended to arrest the informant and left with the money. They later divided up the money at a casino in Pennsylvania. Roman was also charged in the case. He made a court appearance, then was released on bond. That's this week's Police Accountability Report brought to you by CopBlock.org. I hope you'll take a moment to consider just what it is that you are being forced to pay for with taxation and speak out against the violence and corruption. Until next week, stay safe and remember that badges don't grant extra rights. When you're in our county and you want to drive There is a 41 mile per hour slowdown at the 78 westbound at Las Postas Road at this August 12th night at 8.05 p.m. Pacific Time. Weather outside is 65 degrees. Broadcasting live from KKSM for KKSM and LRN.FM. That has been your news. I want to play some music. 
This is Sweet Sweet Bulbs by Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band. And then after that, Concentration Moon by Frank Zappa. And a note on the Captain Beefheart song, the uh, the Warner Brothers typical reissue that was around for a while actually turned out to ha- be a, a copy of a damaged master. So Zappa uh, Records went digged in the Zappa vaults, pulled it out, got the pristine versions and then reissued it, so this should be all good. Uh, So this is Sweet Sweet Bulbs by Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band, and then after that, Concentration Moon by Frank Zappa here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM.
Hi boys and girls, I'm Jimmy Carl Black and I'm the Indian of the group. Concentration Moon by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. And before that, Sweet Sweet Bulbs by Captain Beefheart. And you're listening to Free Thought Radio. My guests in the past hour were Jamie Haas of Law Enforcement Against, Against Prohibition, talked about how the drug war has failed. He actually comes from a, a immigration and, and customs background. He talks about how it's the sole cause of border violence. I mean... Pepsi and Coke aren't duking it out with guns. Coors and Budweiser aren't, or maybe they would have if they lived in the 20s and, and with Al Capone and everything. But, you know, that just goes to the point. Prohibition causes the violence, period. Guest in the first hour was Dr. David Kennedy, DDS, director of the movie Fluoride Gate. He's a dentist who's an anti-fluoride activist. It's some eye-opening stuff. And if you're not out there in the fight to get toxins out of your water from the politicians that are doing it under your nose, don't let them do it under your nose. We can't be asleep on this issue because every second that they're increasing the fluoride content of the water, a living high and specifically wants to go from the naturally occurring less than 0.1 part per million, go up to 0.7 parts per million. That's toxic. It's irreversible damage to the environment. They're just dispersing toxins. You know, this comes from industrial waste. Rather it stay where it's at, rather not even produce the industrial waste in the first place, like, why do they even make it in the first place? It, it, it's a third step down from nuclear armaments. You have nuclear armaments, and then you have phosphate fertilizers, and that's out of phosphate fertilizers, you get the fluoride that they put in our water, you know, you know the byproduct from the, the making of those products. It's... It does irreversible damage, and it's it's spreading it all over the environment, through the rain, everywhere. So we're gonna get fluoride everywhere, especially in foods that are that use water, especially processed foods. You know your Campbell's soup, your green teas, your Liptons, everything. You know to the tea leaves that were like the soil that it goes into the soil too. So it affects food that we eat. Like why don't we give a damn about this stuff so fluoridegate.org educate yourself and then take action peacefully whether it's calling up your water district if you're somebody that's a little generous maybe fund a class action lawsuit against the fluoridators and who cares if there's a law you know segregation was a law too 
If they told you to put fluoride in the water, would you do it? If, if they told you to make a white-only town, would you do it? Or would you use your brain? I'm sick of politicians. They only think of things in terms of money and votes. Are they going to bribe me some more? Am I going to get reelected? Stay tuned for more with the news, especially news about the war in Syria. That shouldn't happen. That we should have stayed out in the first place. More after these uh, word from our sponsors, KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to KKSM. ColumarCollegeRadio.com. Like a time traveling space panther. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippies! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidati. Available from gunsandweed.com. Free and Equal Elections presents United We Stand Festival. Revolutionary music performances by Public Enemy. The Siren. The resistance. The re- Golden State. Dartiana Moore Rose. I don't want a police state. I just want love and liberty. And more. Mind-blowing guest speakers like Jesse Venture. We were deceived and lied to about these events for political purposes or whatever it might be. Our media today is into creating the news rather than reporting it. And that's very dangerous. Whenever government says they're going to keep you safe, get ready because you're going to lose your freedoms. Abby Martin. Look around. For as long as I can remember, this country has been at war perpetual war against an invisible enemy. There are nationalistic rituals held to celebrate an authoritarian government, one that you can't question without being labeled anti-American or a traitor. And it's up to you, me, and the freedom of our minds to prevent it. And the lion. The U.S. government doesn't want the U.S. media to report negatively. We need to really step forward and focus on the elephant in the room here, and that's the propaganda and and sometimes lies that the American public is um, they're they're being lied to. Peter Joseph. 
It's going to take a new approach, a parallel uprising of power to shift the tide. And whether we're aware of it or not, this is happening slowly right now around us in the world. And the question is, where are you in this interest? Jill's time. One third of Americans are now living in or near the poverty level. That so many are in poverty while the wealthy few are richer than ever makes it clearer than ever that it's time for real change. Gary Johnson. Would end the Federal Reserve if given the chance, but that's Congress giving me the chance to end the Federal Reserve. Stop printing money. What we need to do is bring about full transparency to the Federal Reserve, which ending the Federal Reserve brings about, because we're on the verge of a monetary collapse. Thanks, Swamp. The creation of Al Qaeda wasn't Islamic fundamentalism, it was the CIA. Why are we giving Al Qaeda fighters money and weapons? to overthrow yet another government in the Middle East. Today, our government claims they're freeing the people of Syria. Tomorrow, if history tells us anything, we will be killing and wounding civilians in airstrikes and then referring to them as collateral damage in a war with an enemy who we brought to power. Christina Tibbing. But if you go back to the origins of the Constitution, uh, you'll see there's no mention of corporations, no mention of parties. What I'm learning here at Free and Equal Elections is that parties really don't work. I do foresee a huge movement of independent, the youth out there, 1828, everybody running for office is so much bigger than the, the presidential election, those state, federal, congressional, and at Free and Equal Elections, we're going to unite those people across the spectrum. Also confirmed, Dan Johnson. Sabrina Fendrick, Josh Tully, Elizabeth Zero, Mason Allison, Richard Mack, Dak the Warren, Tyrell Venture, Amelia Robinson, Brittany Logan, Bryant Moore, Cindy Sheehan, Kimberly and Foster Gamble, Sean Stone, Jessica Cohn, Lee Camp, Justin Weeds, Freddie Sayer, and more. United We Stand Festival, October 12, 2013, University of California, Los Angeles, www.unitedwestandfest.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. KKSM. It's outrageous, filth. AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Welcome back to Freethought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle. Uh, my guest in the first hour was Dr. David Kennedy, dentist and anti-fluoride activist. His movie, Fluoride Gate, is playing next week, August 23rd, at the Oceanside International Film Festival. Go to www.ocaf.info to get your tickets to that. Also playing is the movie, Why in the World Are They Spraying, about geoengineering and chemtrails. And... Um, 
my guest on next week's episode is the head of the Oceanside Film Festival, and he's going to talk about uh, some more of that stuff. And um, so I guess going to next week, it's kind of like a transition from the summer to the fall. So next week is kind of like the start of the fall. I, I schedule shows and guests and everything. So I'm going to be rolling out the guest calendar for the fall, or at least the the latter half of August. I do it sort of month by month, even even with the division of the fall deal. Um, so uh, included in that is uh, Adam Armstrong, the lead vocalist of the band Rebel Inc., who you know is a great you know kind of like a consciousness band, uh, like sort of they're sort of like Rage Against the Machine, you know the same same type deal, you know socially conscious music. Uh, they have a song called Police State, which is really good. They are actually they were on that metal show, g- given like best metal album of the year or something for their uh, album soundtrack to the Revolution. Uh, he's definitely a very awake person. We're going to talk about some real, real stuff, kick some reality to you guys. Also going to be interviewing Matt McKinney of intellectualrevolution.tv. Great website. Um, hopefully going to be inter- interviewing Stormclouds Gathering as well. Stormcloudsgathering.com. Uh, Great video, video blogger. Uh, you know, like masterpieces, I would say. <laughs> as well as... Um, uh, hopefully get to interview Medea Benjamin. Also going to be at Libertopia 2013 at the end of August, so I'll have a special f- the following Monday. Um, may have some guests live there. People are going to be hanging out. Libertopia is a San Diego-based liberty libertarian volunteerist agorist festival. Uh, go to libertopia.org. Try to secure your tickets. Um, I'm volunteering uh, there, so I, they have like this village thing. That's sort of like a kind of like a free market in practice that you don't aggress towards other people and you get to do whatever you want. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an imperialist warmonger. I'm not going to be going and killing children to get profits or, or resources, uh, to do things. I'm going to be doing things that I make myself. Like I'm going to have a media set up there, you know, being a a media entrepreneur, going to be able to interview people at Libertopia on what they think about Liberty or if they're or a particular organizational head or something like that could talk about the issues they are fighting for. Um, going to teach guitar, going to teach bass. Uh, I'm an organic grower. Uh, I may sell some produce, uh, but I will be accepting silver and copper and Bitcoin and barter. Uh, Federal Reserve notes will be the least acceptable form of currency as far as I'm concerned because it's a worthless piece of crap uh, fraudulent banking scheme. Why would I? Why would I work hard to get something that devalues uh, over time, rather than something that at least keeps its value or grows in value, uh, uh, like silver? It maintains its value and it would, it would grow in value because our production increases. Uh, because you know we're all growing our own food. That's at the end of the day. Uh, governments and corporations intend to put in zoning laws or other kinds of stupid crap licensing laws to prevent us from growing our own. It goes back to Wicker v. Philbert. It's the most evil Supreme Court ruling. If you can't grow your own, then you need them. And that's a lot of power. Henry Kissinger said that when you control the food supply, you control the people. And Henry Kissinger is an evil man. So it's a, it's a very important thing that because, you know, uh, a lot of like uh, people more on the socialist side will say that uh, Money, there shouldn't be money at all, which is you know a perfectly fine sentiment. If we abolish legal tender laws, we could have the freedom to engage with any, any form of medium exchange that we want. You know, 
I think that a medium of exchange is a necessary function uh, so that we get value for value, you know, uh, th that I'm not just slaving myself for other people. Uh, although I'd be willing to do that more charitably, especially if we had, if we all were growing our own food. More food, the better. What's so bad about an abundant food supply? The only people that don't want that are the Monsanto and the big farm corporations that want their supply to be the only supply, uh, which is why they want to restrict supply. So, you know, the, if there, it would be much easier to forego the money system entirely. Uh, or at least a more extensive than pot, because you you know when it comes to upper echelons of uh, you know when it comes to like entertainment and stuff, you got you you got to compensate people for something at some point. But on the food level and the things we need to survive, you know those if they were much more abundant and people were able to grow their own food, catch rainwater and purify it, uh, go down the list. You know the things we need to survive if they were more abundant, if government and corporations got out of the way and let us do what we wanted to. Then we would have more things, and I think the libert libertopia, a kind of agorist marketplace, would be a great way to, to demonstrate that in real life. So I'll be having video and stuff, kind of reporting, showing what liberty looks like in practice. Uh, Tatiana Moroz is like one of the headliners of the music there, great liberty singer songwriter, um, uh, and I'm going to be DJing the late night parties. So uh, if you want to, if you want to bounce up and down <laughs> I, I got the party music <laughs> I, uh, as far as you know electronic goes because you know i listen to, you know, this is a metal show and i i don't often play too many too much dance music but you know for me it's all about if the person that writes the music whether no matter what genre is it if it's honest if it's honest i'll listen to it if it's dishonest trendy poser crap uh, no matter what it is, it shows in the music. I don't need to be like a subjective, opinionated snob to be able to point out that it's you know trendy, poser crap. You know, it shows in the sounds. You know, especially like when it comes to making food. You know, if people that work at Domino's hate their jobs, you know, you're gonna feel the crap. In the, but when you like when you go to all these vegan restaurants and they say they're making their food with love, that's that. It shows in the food. It, it, it actually that's. It's, it makes a difference when you when you love what you do it it's totally makes everything better and that goes for life in general you know uh, as far as positivity and the state and their wars are the biggest impediment to positivity because I have to think about children dying in Middle Eastern countries you know I wish they would not be dying I wish they could live their full lives so then I could live my full life not necessarily think about them dying even though I would you know think about everybody you know they wouldn't be dying so it's like all right, my brain is not going to explode so many times because so much inhumanity is happening, uh, and they claim to represent me when they when the government does it. Uh, it's so unfortunate. But it is eight thirty. I want to talk about the news. So let's talk about Snowden and spying. Uh, Snowden has temporary asylum in Russia now. He's been granted temporary asylum in Russia in order to find a definite travel plan to Latin America in a way that won't have his plane rerouted by the United States imperialist government. Now, Putin has asked Snowden to cool it on the leaks until he gets there. Um, whether he listens to that, to that or not doesn't matter. I don't care. I hope, not, I hope he still leaks. Uh, Russia will not extradite Snowden. Good thing. Because U.S. has refused to extradite real criminals to, back to Russia. Uh, so, you know, that Russia doesn't necessarily owe the United States anything. 
Now, Holder is begging Russia to extradite him because they promise not to torture or assassinate Snowden. But we know, we all know how good those promises are. You know, Holder said, you know, oh, torture is illegal in the U.S. You know, it's a bold lie. You know, look at what they're doing to Guantanamo detainees, force feeding them on Ramadan, you know, when they're supposed to be fasting, what they did to Bradley Manning, and in general, the way police here at home treat American people. And the whole practice of, you know, solitary confinement in U.S. prisons is a form of torture. And people have died because of it, because of neglect uh, and everything to go along with solitary confinement. I mean, as if your natural rights disappear when you're not a U.S., when you're not a citizen of the U.S. I mean, they're called natural rights for a reason. Borders are just the constructs of the state. I mean, uh, Glenn Greenwald has reported that, indeed, low-level NSA, NSA employees can spy on Americans, and you can bet that they are. The SEC is asking for uh, warrantless uh, uh, spying abilities. Uh, now the NSA can listen to your phone, even when it's not in a telephone conversation. Yeah, they can activate the microphone on your phone. So we're living in Orwellian times. There's no dispute about it now. The only question is, what are you going to do about it? Peacefully, of course, because they'll use any kind of somebody using violence to crack down and make everything worse. But from the area of sitting on your couch to the area of violent revolution, there's a whole bunch of stuff peacefully that you can do as far as civil disobedience is concerned. Like that, that that will make a difference, and I mean, I mean, some of it's a little dangerous as far as not as far as what you're going to do to other people, but as far as your safety, like you could be met by a bunch of police in riot gear, like with Occupy, and you could end up getting uh, pepper sprayed for doing something peaceful. They could also listen through your smart TV or Xbox Connect cameras. So yeah, we're in we're in an Orwellian hell, and not many people seem to give a damn. And it's a sickness of nationalism that we only care about NSA spying when it happens to us, but we don't care about when we do it to other countries. We don't care about when we murder other people in foreign countries. If the drones flew over here and murdered somebody that was an American citizen, then we'd be up in arms. Maybe, you know, given... Uh, I'm not even sure if even if then people will wake up, but more so then because of the sickness of nationalism. Uh, you know, so... Even worse now that has been revealed. Now this is kind of new stuff. I'm kind of repeating what I've kind of said over the weeks as far as listening through your phones and the and the rush extradition thing. Now the DEA for the drug war can now read your texts through the NSA, then be able to set you up via the info from those texts, like targeting you and then subjecting you to what would seem like a routine traffic stop. But they already know that you may or may not have drugs on you, and they're going to try to. They're not going to say that they know, but they're going to try to trick you. Um, that really turns probable the notion of probable cause on the on the, its head. So if they spied on you to know something, probable causes were they don't know anything, and then they come up and then they find you know they find out something. It turns probable cause on its head. So there's no justice anymore. In the land of doublespeak, President Obama goes on Jay Leno to say that no. There are no droids here. Don't pay attention. There's nothing to see here. There's no spying. But he, then he, then he, uh, again, in the land of doublespeak, President Obama then changed tides and said that it does exist, but we'll try to bring reforms to these programs. What is the reform, you ask? A 
in name only, head of civil liberties to the NSA, civil liberties director. Like I said, the land of doublespeak. This is the most insulting thing, you know. <laughs> the the if you want to put the, somebody that's in charge of civil liberties, you know what their main duty would be to work themselves out of a job and abolish that department, uh, uh, the spying department, and, and put forth a repeal of the Patriot Act and abolish the NSA or at least abolish Prism. If we actually need the NSA, the national. I don't think we need the NSA. We have plenty. We have so many duplicative agencies. We think that we need everything when we really don't. And in fact, we wouldn't have so many enemies if we weren't at war with all these countries. You know, it's a, uh, the civil liberties guys uh, at the NSA. It, that's supposed to. Uh, it's it's a largely. We're supposed to rely on this largely figurehead role of a civil liberties overseer or a civil liberties czar at the NSA. You know, I think that's absurd. And it's a downright spit in our faces. Nothing will change in regards to spying with that figurehead civil liberties czar. The whole Patriot Act should be repealed. And Obama went on to say uh, in that address saying that he'll oppose this figurehead civil liberties guy or appoint this figurehead director of civil liberties to the NSA. He'll say he said that Snowden's not a patriot. You know, that's just another sign of the times. I think I would like the president to say that he is a patriot. You know, what Snowden did to reveal how the Fourth Amendment is being used like toilet paper by politicians in both parties, that would be the most patriotic thing to do in this country, aside from what Bradley Manning did and uh, many other whistleblowers. It is the U.S. government who are the traitors, and they have betrayed the people they are supposed to represent, let alone innocent people they spy on around the world. Obama is saying that this will affect U.S. relations with Russia, you know, the extradition thing. So let me get this straight. Bush and Obama, they stuck their hand in the cookie jar. And they haven't even been caught yet. Edward Snowden revealed that they put their hands in the cookie jar. Edward Snowden caught them with their hands in the cookie jar. And now Bush and Obama are trying to kill or capture Snowden. So he's running away to Russia to, for his dear life because he found the people that were actually doing the bad stuff. And to add insult to injury, the U.S., who's, they were the ones with the hand in the cookie jar, they have the audacity. They're saying that they, the U.S., needs to reassess relations with Russia. Russia isn't perfect either. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an apologist for Putin here. But the U.S. is the modern-day evil empire. And it is the American people, let alone humanity itself, that need to reassess its relationship with the U.S. government. Now, Obama likened Putin to the bored kid at the back of the classroom. But that is completely an unrealistic metaphor since it leaves out the fact that Obama is unblemished. Or no, it's it, it kind of says that he's unblemished. Well, Obama is more like the bored kid at the back of the classroom, except the bored kid who thinks he's so special that he has an exclusive right to use force on other people. So he uses that force to murder Muslim children with drones, uses force to tax people to turn over the proceeds of those income taxes to the big bankers and the one percenters, uses force on people who protest the corporate and banking and taxation and militarist status quo, uses force on peaceful people based on their peaceful lifestyle choices, and then spies upon people who speak against the murder, the taxation, the corporate and banking collusionism, and and, and, and more, and the spying. 
Obama is really the bored kid at the back of the classroom. If bored kids went around and bombed, bombed Muslim children on behalf of multinational corporations and the military-industrial complex. Now they're continuing to escalate this war in Syria. Uh, and Israel will strike Syria again. Now the U.S. is kind of tethered. If, the, if Israel strikes Iran, Iran the U.S. is tethered. We're going to have to attack Iran too. So Israel has successfully taken over the United States foreign policy and our sovereignty. Now, Syrian rebels, supported by the U.S., Israel, and Saudi Arabia, they're kind of like this extremist sect of Islam that seems to only be funded by the U.S. government. It seems to only appear when the U.S. government gives them weapons and training. So they've been massacring Kurds in recent weeks. Despite calls from the rest of the world to the U.S. to halt their influence of these rebels and halt their influence of either side of the conflicts until talks are met, the U.S. is secretly funding, funneling money, CIA support, weapons, and more to these rebel groups to make it look like the U.S. is doing less. Uh, Saudi Arabia has been taking up some of the slack to make it look like we're not doing as much. And they're, they're a principal part in providing weapons, bombs, and training to the Syrian rebels. The Syrian rebels have been caught with the sarin nerve gas, likely uh, given to them by Saudi Arabia. Now, this is probably an attempt by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia to have the rebels try and plant the chemical weapons on the government of Syria to make it look like the government had it. But unfortunately, these crazed radical Syrian rebels used the nerve gas to fight their own battles before they were attempted to plant it, blowing their cover. So they used it on people already. So anything the U.S., or their puppet media tells you about Syria having WMDs is a 100% fabricated lie. It was the rebels that they are funding, and the media is just trying to sell you war, just like they did with Iraq. That's their primary job, is to create false, fabricate the news. The only reason to go to war with Syria on the part of the, the interests that want this war is to destabilize the region to have permanent U.S. control over the entire region via puppet dictators. It is also part of the larger imperial skulls of Israel and Saudi Arabia, who may be the only two nations left in the region if they have their way. It's a stepping stone towards a war with Iran. I cannot say where that will eventually end up, but I'm not paranoid about a nuclear war coming from Iran's side. The only people I'm paranoid about as far as the nuclear option is concerned is the U.S., who's used it twice before, and Israel. I think they are so zealous and so arrogant that they are willing to use that option to maintain their power. They're willing to kill us all or draft us in a war and make, them, make us die for a lie to maintain their power. What power? For the U.S., it is the dominance of the Federal Reserve note as the currency pegged to oil. Syria and Iran are trying to pull out of the dollar. Iraq started trading in oils at... Uh, 2000, in 2000, a year before 9-11 happened. Uh, Gaddafi tried to introduce the gold dinar. And look what happened to him. We, we got him. They got him, didn't they? For Israel, it's part of a twisted ideological goal to take over the entire region by force in the name of Judaism. But like my guest last week, Rabbi Weiss, explained on my last show, Zionism is not Judaism. And most of the people that oppose Israel in that region say that they want to li live in peace with Jews again, that they want to get the, rid of the Zionist regime, who, you know, and most Jews want to do that as well because it's not, you know, not, not in our name, just like government, U.S. government, not in my name either. 
uh, and, and you know, general morality of all religions is no, not to kill, not to steal. So Zionism is, is a perversion of a religion in order to use it as an excuse to kill and steal, uh, you know, which is an ant antithesis of the religion. Uh, and to kill and steal, to kick native peoples off their land and set up a state that only gives rights to a certain group of people while negating rights to others. So it's kind of like a apartheid. You know, only white Jews get all the rights. Black Jews are the kind of second tier. And then you go down and down and down to Palestinian Muslims are the last on that ladder. And case in point, Ethiopian Jews who emigrate are being forced sterilized with a, uh, uh, birth control, Deprovera, and Ethiopian Jews are having a declining birth rate. No wonder the, these Zionists came from Germany where the kind of racial superiority kind of came out from the same era and area, you know, Hitler and you got Theodore Herzl, the founder of one of the founders of Zionism. Interesting, isn't it? And of course, the U.S. and Israel and Saudi Arabia all have the goals of resource extraction. That's the big part of it. Beyond any kind of ideological religion stuff, it's resource extraction and money uh, with the cor oil corporations. They need to get all the pesky people out of the way in order to do that. What better way than to kill them all? Destabilize the region for decades with perpetual wars based off nothing because the media in America is able to sell people on the war so that we don't oppose what they're doing in our names. As bad as the Syrian government may be, they are not a threat, nor were they ever. The U.S. is building up a boogeyman to lie us into war once more. Uh, the war on terror as a whole is a farce, but will we, uh, will we fall for another yet another chapter of it? In other news, Bradley Manning has been sentenced to 90 years. The only silver lining is that the aiding the enemy charge has been dropped. Everything else just screams that we have no justice in this country. In national news, Obama says he has a timetable of ending drone strikes in Pakistan. So though the government has been crying wolf with these trumped-up terror threats from al-Qaeda at embassies abroad, if there was any legitimacy to those claims given that they are funding al-Qaeda in Syria... It is best to understand, if those claims were real, it is best to understand where the root of those threats might be. In countries like Yemen and Pakistan, where drones buzz overhead constantly as a threat to the lives of innocent people, if one of those lies happened to be your young child or a respected community leader that you know, you can bet that you, having experienced that, would want to seek a vengeance against the country that did it, even to the point of... Uh, losing your own life in the process. If China droned us, you can bet we'd do the same. So this isn't a Muslim phenomena, it's a human phenomena. So we gotta stop the, the, what causes that phenomena of vengeance, which is killing innocent people in the name of a government. We can't just think we can commit mass murder against innocent people who are most often just collateral damage in the general area of a blast target that the person that they were targeting themselves might be innocent as well, since they never had a day in court, and getting on the kill list and being uh, innocent happens a lot due to the vague definition of terrorism or the fact that even mere suspicion, so I suspect something rather than I know something concretely, I could suspect somebody from be, uh, of being a terrorist in Yemen and they get on the list. You know, a measly timetable from Obama isn't going to cut it on ending the drone wars. Too many people have lost their lives already. Obama is already sending over a couple more drones to fly over Yemen as we speak. 
The drones should have ended yesterday or five years ago. People who died should be living full lives now. People who have lost limbs should have their limbs back. A timetable is an insult to the innocents who have had their blood shed. TSA to invade concerts. The TSA is now going to service music festivals by force, obviously, including ones like EDC. Now, I hope maybe something like this might be the last straw, that when you touch people's raves with Big Brother, maybe people will start to stand up, but hey, that's just the hope. There's still a lot of sleeping people out there. Concord, New Hampshire wanted a Department of Homeland Security to fund an armored vehicle known as the Bearcat for domestic terrorists, but now they're backtracking on that. Concord, New Hampshire considered sovereign citizens, free state project participants, and Occupy New Hampshire participants to be domestic terrorists. Now, I'm no longer a conspiracy theorist for claiming that the DHS wants to use their police state measures to crack down on people who have peacefully held political views. Uh, now, the Concord town has uh, applied for the Bearcat, citing Free State Project as a poss- and Occupy as possible the domestic terrorists. I mean, they didn't cite real terrorists as why they wanted it. They specifically says, we want this for the Free State Project. And by the way, I air Free State Project ads over this radio show, so maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a domestic terrorist too. But the, blood, uh, uh, the, the Concord police are now backtracking from their public statement of calling libertarians and occupiers terrorists. Quote, the wording you cite from your website, our website specifically states, anyone uh, who promotes violence, racial hatred, or bigotry is not welcome. That's referring to what the Free State Project says about themselves, since the libertarians about nonviolence, that anyone who promotes violence is not welcome. And the, so they go on to say, quote, that underscores the point I was attempting to illustrate in the grant for these armored vehicles that there are people who may attach themselves to law-abiding groups like Free State Project, but who may have a personal agenda with criminal intent. I presume you would not have included that sentence if you did not believe there were individuals out there that you believed might align their personal agenda with your cause, but to piggyback it for their violent underlying things. Those are the challenges I was referring to. Unfortunately, we have had local examples of such risks in our community, which necessitates the need for law enforcement to be prepared for many scenarios. The res- the, they call it a rescue vehicle. The rescue vehicle is a means of transportation for the safe movement of law enforcement officers and removal of innocent citizens from potential lethal situations, says Concord Police Chief John Duvall. End quote. So in other words, what John Duvall says, we realize that libertarianism is a philosophy rooted in nonviolence, but the state knows what's best for you and we're only trying to keep you safe from yourselves, you know, in case people want to use violence, people who want to use violence piggyback on your group, uh, such as in the instances when, you know, like the FBI or the CIA tries to coax people into violence to frame people for violent attacks like they do to vulnerable or sometimes even mentally handicapped Muslims, encouraging them to plant fake bombs, at which point they foil the plots that they created. Yeah, they're trying to protect us from ourselves. I mean, yeah, those are the only violent instigators are the, you know, the government agents, the undercover people from the FBI or the CIA that try to make other movements look like they're violent when they're actually not. Yeah, makes total sense. And there was actually a meeting on the Bearcat today uh, in Concord uh, City Council. Um, 
there are signs outside saying thanks but no tanks um I'm not sure whether they approved it or not, but one of the comments was like, how could we ever survive the um, omnipresent terror of these hyenas groups without these vehicles? Now, if the Girl Scouts were to join with Occupy New Hampshire and the Free Staters, you might just need two of those. Someone, someone from the U.S. Senate edited Snowden's Wikipedia. A web trace from a change to Snowden's wiki page, changing the word dissident to traitor, came from an IP address in the U.S. Senate. Now, I talked about how the, the government is using, uh, or the DEA is using NSA data, and now they're just trying to cover it up. The DEA is trying to say that they don't use the PRISM in the NSA and spy on your texts to prematurely get evidence about you. Now, a judge ruled that Bitcoin is money. Hooray! As the government attempts to foil one of the biggest threats to phony fiat money and central banking hegemons since gold and silver... One glorious bump in their road occurred when Judge Amos Mazant, sitting in U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas, said he has jurisdiction over a case involving a man who has been accused by the Securities and Exchange Commission of running a virtual currency Ponzi scheme. The judge disagreed with contentions by Trendon T. Shavers that funds associated with his website called Bitcoin Savings and Trust shouldn't be considered as securities because Bitcoin isn't considered to be money. Quote, it's clear that Bitcoin can be used as money, end quote, the judge wrote in an opinion issued on Monday. He noted that the virtual currency can be used to buy goods and services and exchange for traditional currencies. The IRS is asking for AR-15 weapons for standoff capability. This is why average citizens should be allowed to possess AR-15s so that when the illegitimate IRS agent comes to your doorstep and tries to stake your, take your stuff so that they can fork it over to the big bankers to whom the U.S. owes it to, you can defend yourself from the legalized theft and slavery that is the income tax. Unfortunately, the militarization of police is all about widening the disparity of force between the public and the state which is why they are also pushing for gun control so that the citizenry is completely disarmed in the face of corporate military fascism at home and abroad. The IRS is absolutely the worst agency to militarize. This should alarm everybody. Aaron Swartz's prosecutor compares the late internet activist hero to rapists. Stephen Heyman the federal prosecutor who managed the Justice Department's case against the late Aaron Swartz compared the late internet pioneer to a rapist and suggested he had, quote, systematically re-victimized, end quote, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology by not taking a plea bargain, according to a new report. There ain't no justice. NSA's X-Keyscore program reveals the true nature of PRISM. The Guardian leaked the information about the ultimate tool of an Orwellian surveillance state, one that in the future could take anything you've written about in the past on online and social media or in text messaging or over your phone, and they could take that little bit of information and turn it against you. So X-Keyscore is not just collecting metadata as the government... Uh, uh, they are all collecting depersonalized analytical usage statistics 
that allows spies to spot patterns, but also includes almost all types of personal information. Using any piece of personal data on a subject, whether an email address or an IP address or computer, an agent can take that and look up all online user activities such as Google Maps searches, website visits, documents sent through the internet or online conversations. This, the X key score operates both in real time and using a database of recently stored information. Cops kill a dog and handcuff kids in a wrong house raid. A federal court case has been launched after a SWAT team, a militarized SWAT team in a Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, busted into the wrong house, shot the family's dog, and handcuffed the children and forced them to, quote, sit next to their carcass of their dead and bloody pet for more than an hour. This case has been outlined by Courthouse News and Mike Riggs at Reason.com blog wrote, quote, Sean Scoville of the task force may have raided the wrong house, but he didn't want to let the opportunity to rifle through someone's things go to waste. So he and his team ransacked the Franco house for over an hour and managed to find a 22 caliber pistol in the basement bedroom of Gilbert Castillo, which the suit says they attributed to the head of the Franco household, Robert Franco. WikiLeaks.org slash Free Snowden is a website where the WikiLeaks is raising money for Edward Snowden. Now, a two-year-old has been murdered in foster care after being taken from custody for the parents' marijuana use. Now, ask yourself, which is more dangerous, parents smoking marijuana or foster care? The state considers the former and took away a two-year-old child from their parents for their marijuana use. Two-year-old Alexandra Hill was murdered by her foster parents. Wired Magazine reports on HARP fraud. Now, uh, H-A-A-R-P is a contentious government program out of Alaska where radio frequencies can be used to, quote, excite the ionosphere. Now, there is contention as to whether or not it control, that can control the weather, but what is concrete is that they were forced to pay $1.7 million for falsely billing DARPA and the Interior Department. Now, whether or not they control the weather, they are certainly a waste of tax dollars, and they certainly violate the rights of other people by experimenting with the atmosphere over their head for no good reason. A GMO whistleblower speaks out. Former research scientist at Agriculture Canada, Thierry Vrain, who made a living off of encouraging the public about the safety of genetically modified foods, is now speaking out about the truth behind GMOs, reports Mercola. After discovering consistent research studies being published in notable journals showing that a GM diet poses potential health risks, he has done a 180-degree turn in terms of touting the safety of GMO foods. The fact that Major biotech companies such as Monsanto have performed lousy, if any, studies on the safety of GMOs is something that concerns Vrain. Quote, there are no long-term feeding studies performed in these countries, U.S. and Canada, to demonstrate the claims that engineered corn and soy are safe. End quote, he explained. He continues, all we have are scientific studies out of 
Europe and Russia showing that rats fed engineered food die prematurely. Wyoming to vote on marijuana legalization now to convince the one person that lives there to vote to support it. <laughs> Members of Congress denied basic info about the NSA. Quote, if I can't get basic information about these programs, then I am not able to do my job, says Representative Griffith, uh, speaking to Glenn Greenwald from The Guardian. A practicing lawyer before being elected to Congress, Rep. Griffith, said that his job includes making decisions about whether these programs should be funded, but also an oath to safeguard the Constitution and Bill of Rights, which includes the Fourth Amendment. Rare to hear something like that from a politician. People who voted to arm in the Senate who voted to arm the Syrian rebels, we can't know who they are. That's kept secret. You can't know which senators are supporting the road to World War III or support arming crazed extremist terrorists in order to instigate regime change in Syria over, quote, national security concerns. Yeah, we can't find out what our senators are voting on because national security. Maybe they just don't want us to know, you know, that what which people are screwing over the planet. And in music news, thrash metal legends Dark Angel to reunite. In international news, as far as music news is concerned, killers are ca canceling their Israel tour. Hopefully to protest apartheid and imperialism and more atrocities com committed by the government of Israel. While the boycott divestment movement is a great way to stop Israel's atrocities, um, uh, there's actually an a, uh, Israeli ban and a Palestinian ban that are actually going to be, be doing tour because, you know, it uses music to bring people together without state involvement. States murder and give them an ide ideological backing such as Zionism to justify the murder, and they will attempt to do it with impunity because they claim supremacy uh, for whatever the ideological thing is about. Islamic punk rockers break the silence on the Rohingya genocide from Boston.com. Punk rockers draw double takes as they dart through traffic, but it's not just the pink hair, leather jackets, or skull tattoos that makes these 20-something rebels. It's their willingness to speak out against Buddhist monks instigating violence against Muslims while others in Myanmar are silent. Now, this is from the Takokor uh, movement. It's uh, Takokor is, is the term for Muslim punk rock, and uh, they're being vocal on the genocide of the Rohingya people in Burma. And uh, in other international news, Israel and Saudi Arabia team up to supply weapons to the Syrian rebels. So the Zionists and the Saudis are arming the Islamic extremists, fighting on the Syrian opposition side. Saudi Arabia has taken a larger role in the Syrian rebellion as the United States has given over a lot of authority in supporting the dangerous Syrian rebels to the KSA, Saudi Arabia's spy agency. This is an inherently dangerous foreign policy. Islamic extremists funded by the U.S. and Israel never seem to attack the U.S. and especially not Israel, despite being so-called Islamic fundamentalists. You know, they may consider themselves fundamentalists, but the bigger picture of their goals, their fundamentalist goals of taking over Syria, plus you know the money that they get associated with that, the weapons and the CIA trainings, that's a good enough payoff to leave the, their financial backers, such as the U.S. and Israel, alone.
and, and that has been the news. So be sure to tune in next week. I have the uh, head of the Oceanside Film Festival. We're going to talk about the movies like Fluoride Gate. My guest tonight in the first hour was the director of Fluoride Gate, Dr. David Kennedy, fluoridegate.org. Educate yourself on fluoride and then take a stand, man. Uh, my guest in the second hour was Jamie Haas of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Talked about how prohibition, drug prohibition, causes border violence and why it's so senseless that it doesn't need to happen. If drug prohibition were to just go away, there wouldn't be a need to arm. Like The armaments of cartels comes from prohibition solely. Otherwise, you can use courts to settle your disputes. Also, on next week's show, I will have uh, some stuff from the Adam Kokesh Civil Disobedience Beach Party, which happened yesterday. So be sure to head over to freethoughtmedia.org. That has been your show. Thank you guys for listening tonight. And KKSM After Hours, and as well as the Natalik Show, is coming up later here during the night on KKSM. Good night, guys. KKSM and LRN.FM and freethoughtmedia.org. KKSM Oceanside. I'm sure that it's going to be a hit single. AM 1320. The Radio Revolution.